0: hello everyone uh, hi 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 wait a minute there there are several things i probably ought to resolve uh around me right now uh one of them is to put off to put off that fan done that uh take a drink of green juice wait a minute let me get my large face up hello uh everyone hello hello hi uh oh framing's a bit weird uh, some green juice thanks Dina. Don't let anyone tell you green juice has to be disgusting. This is not uh, disgusting. It's absolutely delicious. Um, I don't know why people think green juice has to be bad. Uh, it's probably cuz it's got loads of apple juice in it. Uh, what my windows are very very wide open and I might need to sort that out. But anyway, you can you can all update me with the noise uh, if it's too much. Oh, um yes. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Um so I, I'm going to we're going to hammer I'm going to not waffle, even though I've already started by waffling. Um what I'm going to do is uh, crack on. What's the first thing we're going to do is it's um uh, yeah it's 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 slow down for a second and talk about COVID. Here we go, the COVID numbers. So um, last week I think people there are a few people a little taken aback by the way I worded my, myself last week while I was this. So I need to be clearer for those who listen. Um, uh, I don't think that um, I don't. I was essentially speaking about the fact that if everything else is open, we, things are a bit upside down. That things we should not be rushing to reopen things at any cost. Absolutely not. I suppose what I was saying last time was firstly that the DFT's advice remains pretty outdated based on what actually works. Uh, you know what 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 actually impacts on on COVID spread. You know the, all the train operating companies going around and cleaning surfaces is pointless. That's not how COVID spreads. Uh, it's just a waste of money. Uh, and actually it's increasing exposure of key workers to actually catching the virus by being in and amongst people so don't do that secondly, the government you know in in true this government style zero lack of joint you know zero joined up thinking that they need to be if they are going to open up to certain levels they need to coordinate transport with that um uh so that's kind of so 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 i I did a bit of a i did a bit of a thread on twitter to kind of respond to some of the someone was was not too happy about my uh, what i I kind of said last time looking at these numbers so hopefully that's cleared it up i'm not suggesting you know i think i think i was politely compared to um being a anti-masker or an anti-vaxxer or something which is a bit extreme i think i think everyone on here hopefully everyone on here knows kind of where i stand on this stuff um what I do want to do is just have a look at the actual numbers. So, uh, yeah, as you can see, the numbers, the, the rail ridership numbers continue to rise quite nicely. Um, there's the, the kind of the continual bump uh, that you get with the predicted numbers, which is not, you know, that's not, uh, that's just a weird artifacting of the way that the, the data comes in. But the the actual confirmed, the thick line, blue data there, you can see it's climbing. Uh, it's still not, we're not, qu- I think we are actually at 50%. So we've reached 50% of pre-COVID ridership. Um and given that we've not actually come out of full lockdown yet, it's not too bad. I don't know if I said this. Did I say this in the stream last time? Or I think, yeah. So the feedback coming from the train operating companies and from some of the various ticketing websites is that we're reaching. We are very much reaching the limit of of rail capacity now, of available capacity. So um, either government acknowledges that and says, but that that's that's just how it's going to have to be. But given that everything else is opening up, you know, either we pull away from opening other things up or we need to, um, you know, as I said last time, we need to uh, reduce some of those social distancing limitations to allow more rail capacity. The reason I say that is because we're at a critical point now where if given that other things are opening up, people are making decisions about how they're going to travel around. And if unlike, you know, if we don't have public transport there for people to take, they are going to choose to not take public transport, and that behaviour will immediately embed. They will just drive everywhere. And we're going to end up with a car-centric, car-focused recovery, which is nothing short of a calamity. So that's kind of uh, – that was the point I was making last time. Um, uh, Chris Jackson points out that no UK government of any persuasion has been noted for joining up thinking. Yeah, that to be fair, that's absolutely right. I there's no arguments with that. Um, not for a very long time, Anyway. Uh, Mike Wooldridge, uh, any thoughts on how near we are to hitting an artificial cap based on compulsory reservations, capacity limits for the long-distance talks? Uh, we're at them now. As my understanding is that all of the long-distance operators are reaching that cap. Um, LNER undoubtedly is. Uh, I don't know so much about some of the others, but TP is, so to my mind, yeah, very much is, um, yes. Um yeah, very much. Like those long distance uh, services are reaching capacity already. Uh, Josephine, glad it's uh, becoming um, better known that touch contact is not how COVID spreads. Yeah, that's that's kind of an important thing to for anyone who's not familiar with that. Give it a bit of a Google. There's a lot of decent um, kind of. Peer-reviewed research now, and it's been accepted into the WHO uh, kind of finally uh, accepted into their kind of broad COVID guidelines that it's not a touch, it's not a surface contact-based, uh, you know, it's an it's an aerosol-based uh, spreading mechanism. Uh, do, some, do some there's there's plenty of reading out there. People who actually know what they're talking about, who aren't me, can uh, point you in the right direction for stuff to read. Anyway, so hopefully that clears that up. Uh, apologies if I upset people, and, and obviously there there are other things that we need to think about um, in relation to to reducing um, it, 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 to reducing those limitations on travel. The social distance thing is is that we can't it can't be a big bang because there are a lot of people who right, quite rightly have anxiety you know have anxiety about returning to public transport, and if that return isn't particularly staged, well, to be honest, the trouble is it's a bit too late because it's now as full as it can possibly be given current social distancing guidelines. So. It's a bit of a tricky one really um there's no easy answer uh but to my mind i think if if transport public transport continues to be as restricted as it is at this point with everything else opening up to full blast uh we're going to end up with people driving everywhere we're going to end up with people making the wrong transport choices and then those behaviors will embed and we'll be in a really bad way um because more car drivers means you know bearing in mind that 25,000 people are killed or seriously injured on britain's roads every year um we will be reaching the, you know, that's, that, that, that's not an insignificant number to be considering. If we're having more people driving, that means more accidents. So there's, there's a balance to be struck here. Uh, people might tweet me again saying they're just as horrified this week as they were last week. Well, I hope not. I hope you understand that I very much, w- you know, we, we need to ensure that vulnerable people are, continue to be protected from COVID and that any, that the risks are, are minimized as much as possible. Um, but anyway, I, I've, I've said things, here's the data. Um, And just to to show you the broad picture, we're now... A higher point of of rail usage, oh, actually, I actually haven't talked about the others. Bus buses climbed very dramatically, which is quite quite interesting. Right up to eighty uh, percent in the last sort of measure. So I'm interested to see how that trend continues. You can see here, eighty percent ish. It's not bad, is it? Uh, cycling has dropped, but that's partly because the rolling average, so it won't be quite that extreme. It's because I have a weekly rolling average. Uh, sorry, yeah, it is a weekly rolling average, so that'll kind of that'll drop away again. Uh, road vehicles, if you ignore the spikes, it's just continued the whole year. It's just been a steady. Climb, and by the look of it, we are very much back up to a hundred percent of of road traffic uh, pre pre COVID levels. Even if the the actual f- traffic flows are slightly different, overall the the percentage you know in terms of um, overall transport usage, we're back up a hundred percent. So um, I hope that's all clear. I hope that uh, clears up my stance. And if if not, then the, I, I I laid it out quite clearly in the in the Twitter thread um, about what I think about um, returning to transport. So. Right, let's move on because we're already eight minutes in, and I've not talked about the thing we're supposed to be talking about. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's the overall trends you've see, sort of seen these. I think you can see that we're we're higher than we ever have been, uh, and it's it's kind of interesting. It is interesting to look at those overall trends. Anyway, uh, I need to make the blue a bit brighter, don't I? Because it's not exactly uh, easy to spot and see. Right, the news. One news item. Only one news item, which is. Um, the Brum, the the Birmingham uh, Clear Air Zone has gone live-ish. It's not quite. They've done their big launch, but actually the big launch uh, doesn't tie in with the fact that I think they're not charging anyone for two weeks. So it kind of actually is launching in two weeks. Um, to to those who've been, uh, who who's it? Who's sending me? I've been getting it. Sophie Drake. Thanks for your um, uh, thanks for your com stuff. Uh, through about it. I have been paying attention to them um uh, and there's a really nice there's some really nice videos about the clear air zone that are well worth having a look um at if you go and have a look at it i've talked the reason i put this up as a news thing for rail matter is well obviously it's, it's relevant to transport but also a thing i've been talking about a lot in relation to hgvs and goods traffic and freight movement around the rail network which i know we need to do some more freight st- or some freight stuff on, on on rail matter i'd love to get maggie maggie simpson on actually we are going to talk about freight in a few episodes we'll get there but anyway um, the thing about clean air zones and, and ultra low emission zones is that it precludes the normal movement of, of goods traffic through urban areas, which means that you have to interchange your HGV. You can't bring your HGV into the centre of town, so you need to do an interchange with off the HGV and onto vans, electric vans or whatever it happens to be. As soon as you do that, that HGV journey, all of the problems with HGVs versus rail become obvious and exposed, and you might as well put it on a train. The trouble is the rail network hasn't got... Either the um, the operational responsiveness or the infrastructure, or more crit- more, critically, more critically, the capacity to actually move all those the, all that that goods, all that that kind of um, goods traffic. So the railway needs to step up at this point and uh, be ready to take on that potential expansion in 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 the freight market. You know, more intermodal, more um, kind of uh, more more fast goods being uh, tra- kind of pushed around the country, taking up all this the stuff that that at the moment, HGVs take into our urban centres. So, that's that. Uh, That is the news. Um, We are now, yeah, that's it. So, um, let's get back to the William Shatts plan for rail, shall we? Um, I'm not even going to say any words other than, uh, welcome to tonight's Rail Natter! (laughs) Wait, I just had an epiphany. Uh, You know what my good epiphany is? The good epiphany is that I need to just do this, which is change a number here. There we are. See, professional as ever. Uh, you, you, uh, Jermaine. No, Maggie Simpson is the head of the Rail Freight Group. Uh, to fact, i fact I can't remember her precise role, but she she's she's essentially in, in charge of it, and is and, uh, just knows anything about rail freight that isn't worth knowing. Uh, that she doesn't know isn't worth knowing, or indeed she can always point you in the direction of someone who does know. Um, she's she's just she's like she is rail freight for Britain. Um, one of the rail industries real champions anyway right what was that on about oh yeah I was saying something like um, welcome to tonight's rail natter again <laughs> Institute two two five fading out. Actually, I should have put a news piece in about the fact that Pacers are increasing their journey towards not existing anywhere because um, they've just come off in Wales, haven't they? Oh, I've been, I've been. There have been so many news things. I've kind of lost track. I need to continue to. I need to scribble down more news items in my in my little Google Keep notes list of of uh, you know news things that I, I put up. Anyway, right. I'm waffling. Let's get my miniaturized face up. Hello, everyone. I'm going to drink some more green juice. So. We're gonna start, perhaps confusingly for people, with um with this, which is an image of the logo of the um the campaign for level boarding. Uh, so I was one of the people who started the campaign for level boarding quite a while ago now. Um when was it it was about the time when the, the Netherlands announced that they were gonna have a rolling program of um correcting uh yeah, of correcting all, all their all of their platforms across the whole uh of the the rail network in a in a rolling program, it's, it's always a good old na- name, isn't it? Um, so. So we started the campaign for level boarding. A few of us, you know, myself, uh, Tanya Gray Thompson, um, and uh, and uh, Alan Benson, and uh, and uh, lots of like Thomas Ray Hasty and and John Hasty, and and lots of lots of people who are involved in in kind of the campaigning side as well. Um, uh, lots of dis- uh, kind of disabled and disability activists. We started the campaign for level boarding, and why is this relevant now? Well, it's because there is uh, there's a problem in the in the William Shatner review, which we're going to get to. We are going to get to it, but I just wanted to kind of tease that, and we'll come back to this. But but for now, let's get back to the report, shall we? So it's it's back it's PDF time. <laughs> this is this is what you all uh, you're all here for. Um, so let us um yeah let us get back to oh actually you know what I'm gonna. I'm going to come back to the to that point. Uh, there we go. Yeah, lovely. Sorry, I'm just doing some some administrative fiddling while I'm here. So we, we just talked about brand national brand identity. Uh, so uh, and, and if you remember, this report has I think it's about 60 or so asks or sort of statements of what they're going to do statements of intent, which is kind of useful because it means we can hold them to account on each of these. Um, right, we've got 46 minutes to see how much we can get through. Let's see. We are a long way from the end of the report, but let's see where we get to. Oh, wait a minute, let me just... I mean, How many pages have we got? We've got wow, 33 out of 116. Oh, Cracky, there we go. So, number five. Great British Railways will be a new organisation, not just a larger version of Network Rail. This is an interesting point, actually. A lot of people have been saying, oh, I just mean, you know, Network Rail is going to take on the t- train operating companies. Well, that's not, that's not entirely the case, uh, which is interesting, really, because they've had so many uh, you know, relentless numbers of... Um, Reorganizations and staff changes, and you know, we're going down to Milton Keynes. No, we're not going to Milton Keynes. We're going to re- regionalize and have headquarters in it, in all the regions. Oh no, we're going back to Milton Keynes again. And they're kind of round and round in circles, and um, which is kind of frustrating for all the staff because what that usually means is given that Network Rail has a chronic uh skills shortage, what that usually means is that, uh, just the attrition, a high speed attrition of staff, skilled staff, particularly. So, um so, yeah, it's interesting that then they're going to just absorb this. It's it's I suppose it's a, 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 avoiding a reorg, but actually, it's it, to all intents and purposes, it'll just be another reorg. And there'll be there'll be yet more attrition of people who don't make the move over into GBR. So, um, so what they're saying, given Network Rail's status as the existing owner of the infrastructure and as easily the largest single actor on the railway, its people will inevitably make up a substantial part of Great British Railways. Uh, Network Rail has undergone significant leadership and structural change since the failures of uh, Great Western electrification uh, and the 2018 timetable upgrades. So, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, it's making successful efforts to reform to be more efficient, including to save multiple billions in the current five-year control period and to focus on outcomes for passengers and taxpayers. What out- oh, <laughs> What that means is financial targets. Why is a railway f- – like, no, the, the, the financial targets are the thing that you that – are, that are the useful outcome after you drive the main thing, which is – Moving more people and things by rail, surely. Um, anyway, so a uh, major restructuring of NR has been underway since 2018. It, it has. The, 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 the re Devo Max situation has been going on since 2018 to help it become more responsive to its passenger and freight customers. So, to be fair, this is kind of a continuation of Devo Max because GBR is actually broadly a regional structure. It's not so much of a centralized structure, even though it has the big fancy name. Um, oh, here are more paragraphs. So not all the challenges facing R have been solved. Uh, although it's been greatly strengthened its operations function, uh, although it has greatly strengthened its operations function, the role it has historically been asked to undertake has led it to being an engineering-driven organization with relatively little direct contact with passengers and freight customers. I have, I have, I have two I have two minds about this. So, um, yeah, chronic... Chronic skill shortage to those in the chat who are, who are asking things. We'll come back to disa- disability access uh, shortly. Um, yeah, uh, so it needs to be an engineering driven organisation because it fundamentally does engineering. Do you remember what happened last time an organisation on the railways that was in charge of the infrastructure decided that it wasn't an engineering um led organisation. Well bad things happened. On the flip side, Network Rail is actually tremendously bad at understanding what it needs to do to to you know what it actually needs to be achieving uh long term. The reason for that is because there's no long term plan. Network Rail doesn't get asked to you like no one asks Network Rail say right. On this corridor we're expecting 150% more passengers or on this corridor we're expecting 80% more freight by 2045. Or, no one says that to Network Rail. Network Rail used to produce utilisation strategies where they'd sort of suggest what they could do, but then that never really had any sort of uh, strong backing from government. They were always just sort of nice to have. There needs to be a strategy. Network Rail can't measure its success, and, and what becomes the engineering part of, of GBR, can't measure its success if it doesn't know what it's supposed to be doing. Ultimately, the question remains, what are the railways for? And we'll get back to... We'll come back to that question um, at the end uh, of the episode. Remind me to do that. Uh, that's kind of my last point. So, um, uh, right, I'll move my mouse over here. So, so that's a, so. So that's kind of one thing. So, so what else they're saying? So, the government will require. Uh, you can hear me typing. I'm typing literally to uh, remind myself that that's what I need. That I need to. Um, there we are. I'm typing because I need to remind myself. There we go. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there. I've done it. I'm prepping on the on the move, folks. This is fine. Everything's fine. Uh, normal problem, problem solved. Highly professional. Yada yada. Um. So, so I'm in two minds about this. I'm in two minds about some of the rhetoric behind uh suggesting Network Rail have problems and what the issues are because I, I think a lot of the Network Rail's problems are that are always that it doesn't know which direction it's supposed to be facing. Um, it's always getting pulled in different directions. So, so I don't know. There are lots of problems within Network Rail as an organization. Um, with Network Rail being my client for my day job, I recognize a lot of the problems Network Rail have. But I also recognize a lot – it's interesting. You, you ask some people and, and and their perception of Network Rail is that it's bloated and has, has you know a lot of people uh, kind of stumbling through – or not even stumbling, just sort of trundling along without achieving anything and not and basically just earning their keep and not really caring – um, my experiences are, are generally more like that, you know, a, a a deeply stretched, understaffed organisation with a, a chronic shortage of skilled people, and 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 I think both things are probably true in certain aspects of the organisation. Um, yeah, anyone on Network Rail here watching this, uh, particularly if it's the comms team, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm saying things you'd rather I wouldn't, but uh, you know, honesty is the best policy. I, th- I think I think you know it's it's a, it's a massive organisation and it will have all of the above challenges. Um, so. So Network Rail has successfully started this journey uh, for change, or is it culture? Culture grew directly out of the incentives set by the rail system and successive governments for the organization. Yeah, so, so there's an acknowledgement that some of the incentivization of what Network Rail should be, you know, some of the inputs that shaped the organization weren't necessarily the, the most productive, uh, useful outcomes. So, um, there are network, now our journey of change, helping deliver government's vision for a rail network. This this vision for a rail network that always puts passengers and freight customers first is the most stupid sense. Of course, they're putting rail passengers and freight customers first. What else are they going to be doing? It's just not, it's such a nonsense phrase. It's like, what does that mean? Do you mean increasing capacity for passengers and freight? If you mean that, okay, well, explain such. But just generically saying, Put passengers first well of course we are putting passengers first that's the whole point anyway um sorry that's a bit of a bugbear, man uh yeah chris uh, chris jackson by the way good to good to have you along uh, uh chris your insights are always uh, always valuable um oh actually you've set you've, you've made a point do the operators not feed into that uh, feed that into the strategic industry business case that informs the h loss but nr then doesn't get tasked to do it yeah well this is this is true chris yeah you're absolutely right um uh, yeah ask chris things people if you want if you want a good good technical but also broad policy understanding the railways chris is, uh, has has it in in spades um uh, the government will require that gbr be a new organization not bound by the cultures approach of network rail well that's easier said than done because cultures come from people not from you know necessarily from organizational structures uh, there's a real opportunity to bring greater diversity into the sector to enable it to better represent the communities it serves the, yes but i'd say that um you know uh, lorraine who is in charge of this for network rail is fantastic and you know she was making changes and i'd say network rail were leading the industry in terms of diversity frankly so so actually that's something you do want to bring along with network rail uh, I'd, I'd argue quite vigorously um uh, yes further stuff about this in chapter eight gbr need to include meaningful numbers of people in middle and senior management roles with substantial experience outside network rail that's a scary sentence That was uh, lots of people who don't know anything about railways are going to be brought in. Well, that can be useful sometimes, but also it can be a massive curse. So mm, I don't know how I feel about that. The best railway managers that I know in the rail industry, you know, the David Horns, the Rob Warns, the you know the uh, Alex Hineses, the Diane Crowthers, are railway people. So I, I don't buy the idea that the best managers are people, or, or, or there is huge, amazing, untapped value in getting people who aren't railway people into the railway. You know, it's a hugely complicated system, and if you don't understand it, you often make stupid decisions. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that it's not, there. it doesn't mean that there isn't also usefulness in getting people involved, but the idea that that's a panacea is, is misplaced, frankly. Um uh, da, 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 da. including in some cases from outside rail and transport industry altogether, more people with retail and customer relationship experience, sure. Um, increasing numbers of network rails managers do have this experience and many other staff across it and other organizations such as rtg have indispensable skills that would be vital to future successful railways, yep, sure. Uh, there's an array of rail-specific skills, that must be, I'm talking this through by the way, the reason I'm going through these paragraphs is because it's skills and people focus which for me is some of the really important stuff, some of the admin stuff we're going to gloss over because it's just not very interesting, there'll be loads of stuff about contracts that we'll just kind of Glissade through without much care, uh, because frankly it's not particularly relevant, and actually it's due to, it'll be subjected to dramatic change when it starts becoming a reality. Anyway, um, anyway, so fine. Um, oh, this is an important sentence. There is an array of rail-specific skills that must be retained in the new organisation, such as the signalers whose skills ensure that the network can operate safely and efficiently day in day out. Good, fine. GBR will also be given a demanding new set of obligations and accountabilities described below to ensure that it operates in the interests of customers and taxpayers. So um this is the so we're now into the accountability section. So number six, Great British Railways will be given a binding mandate to have as its primary focus serving the interests of passengers, freight customers, and taxpayers and growing rail usage. So there's a there's a I was about to get angry, but then they have put in a statement growing rail usage. That is that that's a bit of a pointing in the right direction situation there. Um Yeah, so yeah, I uh there's some good discussion about skills going on in the chat by the way keep it up it's really good stuff um yeah people talking about secondments into different sectors they're there, are you know there's there's some merit in that but a uh, mixed bag so gbr will be a powerful body that is necessary to bring about the change but there is of course a risk that it may become in some ways too powerful uh, or at least empowered to make decisions that are not in the public interest this is a, an absolutely fair statement um it would, for instance, be easy to improve punctuality on a given line by having the train service, or to create more time for maintenance by permanently ending evening trains. It may be easier to save money by cutting services or facilities than by cutting inefficient or wasteful practices. This is actually an incredibly positive paragraph. Fair play to the authors. This is like, yes, good. You're realising that there is a very strong public service element to the way the railways operate, and that the right financial decisions may not... And it, in some cases, will never be right for that public service obligation. So it's good to see that being written down. It's actually a good thing. Um, A series of strong measures and structures will be put in place to prevent this. Make GBR accountable, transparent, reflective of it's need to serve passengers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Funding streams conditional on meeting the mandate for customer needs and uh, and efficiency. Yeah, funding streams will be conditional on dot, 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 making efficiency improvements. That's a dubious sentence. It's interesting how some of the – the, the, the clashing that you get there. That that sentence almost totally clashed with the previous paragraph. It's interesting how you, you see different things have been dropped in by different people and tried to be pulled together. Yeah. Um, again, I'll reemphasize the fact that Shaps has put his name on it, which is very rare and unusual. So it, that is generally a good sign to how much this is going to get implemented. Anyway, just like Bojo with his bus bus uh, report. Um, although he didn't put his name on it, did he? He just sort of signed it and, and used his kind of... Uh, made-up box bus hobby as, a, as an in, intro. Anyway, um, GBR subjects a series of mandates. Operating in the interest of passengers, freight customers, and local communities. Fine. Grow passenger numbers and open up new markets. Sounds good. And, here we are, pursue financial st- sustainability through the reduction of waste and inefficiency and developing revenue streams that benefit customers. Hmm, Okay. Bearing in mind, I think I said this last episode, um, the, the British Rail Network is one of the most cost-efficient in, in in Europe, certainly. Like, the subsidy per passenger is very small compared to the rest of Europe. So, uh, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure where... We're, we're not really at the point where there's much to squeeze out of the network, to be honest. You know, we can always find efficiencies, but those, are those efficiencies worth making if they end up resulting in a, a worse overall system? Um. Anyway, so number seven. GBR will be mandated to increase efficiency and cooperation Right. Um, one of the major benefits of bringing the railways together is in providing clear line of sight of costs benefits and opportunities for efficiency and growth Um, GBR will be able to make substantial net savings without detriment to service or ferry levels by reducing duplication interface costs and complexity yeah I absolutely agree with that it's one of the main reasons one of the main sensible reasons not so much on costs actually but more on just broad efficiency of not having a load of people to send emails through um, is uh, is 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 bidding off a lot of, off a lot of that, that the interfaces between uh, different organisations. That, that, that's sensible. Um, this will include better planning of track and infrastructure works and many other operations currently subject to negotiation between NR and train operating companies. Yep. Other efficiencies will include economies of scale. Uh, yeah, common systems, reductions in bidding costs. Yeah, ensuring subcontracting is used in a cost-effective manner, workforce productivity improvements. I'm not really sure what that the implication is, and reductions in overlapping planning, support, and administrative functions. Yeah, that that all seems sensible to me. In doing so, GBR will be able to continue and build upon NR's existing program of efficiencies. Uh, oh yeah, they're talking about this savings it's all efficiencies, efficiencies, efficiencies. Uh, talking about savings for the period of 2024, and then speed project speed. Oh, We're gonna find out about project speed later. Uh, currently, project speed is a nebulous thing, which has no particularly well pinned down meaning uh, as a single organization gbr will be able to benchmark internally okay monitoring costs transparently roll out best blah, blah blah this is all kind of waffle i think um this is more about cost controls as, as you imagine i'm kind of skept- i'm not saying cost controls a bad thing but i'm a, a little bit skeptical about it being like a key thing to push the industry for. like you can't not look at, at, at pulling down daily daily running costs because otherwise things you know okay capital expenditure is one thing that I don't care so much about but daily spend is actually really important because if you don't have a sustainable system it's actually an indicator of ill health in other elements if you've got escalating daily costs um that that are not kind of uh commensurate with the service provision it's actually generally an indication of an unhealthy sector so so it's not necessarily a bad idea to 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 push cost efficiency or at least cost control and, and and transparency of cost spending but yeah but given the people who are writing this report uh, and those who signed off on it, there is, there's an element of, um yeah, there's an element of, of slight skepticism in me from that. And, and yeah, people pointing out workforce productivity improvements means headcount reduction. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with some trepidation on that front. Long term, longer term targets to bring down costs across the sector are also needed. yeah absolutely agree with that. As an early step, once it's established and empowered, GBR will agree a clear target with government to bring down its overall costs. Uh, Benchmarking them against global standards. Well, they don't need to do that. It's only really cheaper than most places. And we'll clearly set out how it will deliver ticket fares aren't, by the way. The reason that the subsidy is broadly lower is because we do have a higher average fare, but that's kind of a meaningless statement for all sorts of reasons. And we can't reduce fares without increasing railway capacity anyway. Accountability, blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. Right, let's move on to number eight. Um, tell me if I'm being too flippant, but we've got a lot to get through. And also, I think the ones that are important we'll talk about more and the ones that are kind of more waffly- we'll talk about less the government will hold the railways leaders accountable for meeting the needs of the customers and communities the network serves the secretary of state of transport will be accountable to parliament for how the railways deliver for passengers communities the economy the environment and taxpayers the current system frustrates the government's ability to exercise democratic control and support effective delivery within the sector that's interesting hmm. under these reforms ministers will hold gbr to account through a structured framework underpinned by legislation okay so there is going to need to be primary legislation for this Ministers will take key funding decisions and have strong levers to set direction and pursue government policy. Uh, Secretary of State will be responsible for the appointment of the chair and agreeing the framework for pay, including any performance-related pay. That's for just the chair. So, you know, if it's hendy, then the, how hendy gets paid will get agreed by the agreed by the minister. They'll also be given statutory powers to set long-term strategy. Strategy powers for long-term strategy, is in, that's an interesting one. That's, that's good to me. And have powers to issue guidance and mandatory directions to GBR, on any matter at any time, creating a relationship between ministers and GBR akin to the one shared by the Mayor of London and Transport for London. Yeah, that's kind of, the, that seemed to me the analogy they were making there. So, so yeah, the Mayor, so that, yeah, the, the, the Mayor speaks to, you know, so Sadiq Khan speaks to Andy Byford, or in the past, Bojo spoke to Sir Peter Hendy. That relationship was actually, a you know, that broadly allowed a strategic, you know, the Mayor talks about what what the Mayor wants, the Mayor gets their branding on things, but Actually, uh, TfL are allowed to think about things pretty long term into the future, uh, and in a way that, and in fact, in my uh, in my piece saying HS2 will fail without joined up thinking and a long term plan, it's on medium. Um, then we, uh, you know, I said HS2 will fail if there isn't a long term plan. Within that, I cited TfL's long term strategy. Uh, so yeah, I'm, it's interesting, particularly given that. Oh yeah, I didn't put the TfL settlement. Thing and the driverless trains nonsense in the news did i oh, i'm writing a piece for rail about it i will i'll i'll do a update when i finish writing the piece because i'll get my head around how bonkers the suggestion is anyway it's for another discussion isn't it i think i've done it i think i did it in the previous news article about driverless trains because it came up i think oof, a while back anyway um so that sounds sensible enough so that's the that that's sort of the yeah there's a risk it gets too cozy of course but yeah it, it seems sensible enough i think These strong statutory and administrative controls for ministers are vital to ensuring that government can secure benefits for the country. They'll play a critical role in focusing um, Great British Railways on value for taxpayers. Power of value again. For instance, by ensuring that incentives exist to look beyond engineering outcomes or short-term financial targets. I don't think anyone just looks at engineering outcomes for the sake of it, necessarily. I don't know. Other people might have different perspectives on this, but anyway. I realize I do have a bit of an engineering background and perspective on this but uh, you know I like to think it, it, I do transcend it a little thoughts in the chat. <laughs> um yeah so um parliament will continue to hold ministers to account for these key strategic functions. However, unlike in today's fragmented system, parliament will also be able to hold a single leadership team responsible for rail planning and operations. Yeah, that does make sense. That does make sense. Um yeah, good. 9. Right, here we go. A 30-year strategy will provide clear, long-term plans for transforming the railways to strengthen collaboration, unlock efficiencies, and incentivize innovation. I mean, also save the environment should be in there, but anyway. Um, 30-year strategy, that that seems sensible to me. Long-term plan, 30-year strategy, this is good stuff. Um, Within today's structure, no organization has the financial, technical, and operational authority to oversee the design, investment, and management of the major changes to track infrastructure and on-train systems required for programs such as digital signalling, <clears throat> yep, that's an absolute—that's abs- an absolute truism. Digital railway can't work; it couldn't work. It just could not work with the previous structure, uh, and in my personal opinion, it still can't work while the rolling stock operators' company in com- uh, while the rolling stock operating companies exist. But we'll get there. So, um, a long-term strategy will set out for the first time key strategic priorities for the whole railway network for the next thirty years. The strategy will create a stable foundation for innovation and problem-solving, allowing, for example, electrification to be delivered efficiently. Yep, that I like that sentence. Uh, rolling program, rolling program, rolling program. Priorities will only be achievable and affordable if the whole system of suppliers, operators, and funders work together to plan, innovate, and achieve long-term ambitions. It's almost like I've written this, right? Combined with rolling programs of transformation. Ooh, ooh, rolling programs, rolling programs. Platforms, electrification, Ah, oh, what else? The high output to rolling programme. These are all good things, folks. Um, combined with rolling programmes of transformation, the plan set out by the strategy will save time, reduce costs, and enable innovators to develop new ideas and solutions. All of these are true. Um, the 30-year strategy will be a key mechanism that ministers will use to ensure that the railways respond to public priorities, such as levelling up. The environment, housing, and regeneration. Housing is in there. That's also good. Fantastic. It's Ill. Oh, there's a typo. It will incorporate the comprehensive environmental pl- uh, environment plan set out in Chapter Seven. We'll get there. The strategy will be. Crikey, it's already twenty-five The strategy will be produced for ministers by Great British Railways, enabling government to set clear direction for the railways in support of national priorities. GBR will be responsible for achieving the outcomes set out within the thirty-year strategy, providing regular updates to ministers on progress and adapting it to changing needs, just as TfL regularly updates the Mayor of London on its long-term strategy. They're citing the TfL example again. Um, the SOS has begun. Secretary, of State, sorry, has begun this work by commissioning the Wisp. The Wisp is official, everyone! Hooray! The Wisp. Um, they'll become the first 30-year strategy ever for the railways in ever-ever time. Uh, not even Prescott could do it. By starting now, the first strategy can be ready in 2022 with partners across the sector and beyond consulted as it develops. Look at that! The Wisp, everyone! The Wisp. It's here. The Wisp. Hooray! Oh, right. Picture of Piccadilly. I haven't been there for a while. I used to be up here drinking a coffee and trying to get battery charge and maybe Wi-Fi when traveling to Arboristos quite frequently when I was a student. Anyway. Uh, I'm not making hopelessly slow progress, aren't I? Railways become more responsive to local needs and expand local control to help level up our towns, cities, and regions. Is a big that's a big block text. Number ten, GBR will be made up of powerful regional divisions with budgets and delivery held at the local level, not just nationally. Okay, so that's just talking about that there are going to be five regional divisions matching the network rail uh, routes that were done. Uh, so that's that's kind of keeping that in place. Uh, there'll also be local teams in uh, kind of so so there'll be kind of local teams below those regions. Um, a pilot is going to be undertaken of integrated local teams uh, as a priority. Interesting. These changes are designed to be adaptable and flexible. Regional boundaries and their integrated local teams will be able to evolve over time as the rail network changes. That sounds sensible. You don't want to lock something like this in. For example, a new regional railway across northern England may be beneficial once northern powerhouse rail transforms travel between major towns and cities across the Pennines. Basically, they're saying that actually splitting across the Pennines might cease to make sense. You might want to map it more like the TFN uh, map shape. Now, where have I heard that before? Hmm, feels like a previous rail matter. Uh, suggestion that anyway. Uh, regional divisions within GBR will first dot be accountable to customers for their journeys. Dot manage pa- passenger service contracts, stations, and infrastructure. Dot procure private partners, including operators and contractors. Okay. Dot manage budgets locally and regionally. Cool. Dot integrate, track and train at a local level. Dot work with and be responsive to the needs of local and regional partners. Yeah. Dot integrate rail with other transport services. Great. Those all look like good things to me. Number eleven in England. New partnerships with GBR regional divisions will give towns, cities and regions greater control over local ticketing services and stations. This is hopefully going to talk about integration with the urban areas because I don't think the powers should be taken away from Greater Manchester, um, you know, the West Midlands, uh, and so on. GBR will enable much closer collaboration and joint work with local leaders. There will be one single point of accountability for rail services in a town, city, or region. That's interesting. I like that. That, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, new partnerships between GBR and local regional government will be established to give local leaders a greater say in how... Th- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, right, good. Yeah, it's just broadly saying local connectivity is good. Uh, depending on the needs and capacities of different places, partnerships will include the ability for local leaders to integrate ticketing and fares with other local transport services. That's really powerful. So that's really important, the ability to to have fares across different public transport systems, so, you know, bus and rail and tram and whatever it is. Um, that's really good. And, again, housing's mentioned. Uh, this, this, you know, in, in a, to achieve local transport and housing priorities more effectively than today. Yeah, l- using funds raised locally. Well, sure, but also... Uh, central government also needs to get involved folks this isn't gbr cannot be an excuse to reduce central government funding on the railways come on now um not without devolving funding powers and tax raising powers to the regions and local areas uh, yeah, this is a little box out. and saying it took the rail sector two years to approve a half-hourly Harrogate to York service following North Yorkshire County Council's offer to fund the 12 million scheme. Yeah, we're rubbish at being responsible. The, the rail industry is crap at being responsive to that sort of thing. And that's just partly because of fragmentation, you know, partly because of, in, you know, Network Rail don't have interests to, to, you know, the way they're incentivized, Network Rail don't have interests necessarily to achieve more of that sort of thing. That they're they're not, they don't want to, Im- increasing capacity is not necessarily beneficial to Network Rail as current guys. So it's fair enough that that gets updated uh matt reed uh, is asking if this says anything about staffing it does later on um it does later on uh john christoph yeah your uh, door 93 makes a good point presumably there have been previous reports saying many of the same things this one does if so it's worth asking why they haven't been acted on uh yeah it is they haven't been acted on because um no one's been interested in making these changes indeed changes that this report is reinstating we're undone by successive previous governments so yeah so it's a, it's, a, it's a fair point but we could explore that they're going to be i'm going to have to do follow-up episodes to this because you know we're going to get to the end of this this episode it might end up being a long one we're going to do it we're going to get to the end of the report in terms of digging into it what i suggest for everyone by the way brief interlude i'm going to go big face for brief interlude what i suggest to everyone is um hi uh, is that once i've gone through this report You might have your own thoughts you might have your own queries send them over my way tweet them over my way or you know go into the discord and and put them in as suggestions if you're a patreon person or just even chuck them in my direction at me in and we'll we'll maybe pick out i'll collect up some of those themes and we'll maybe pick them out and discuss them in a more old-fashioned rail nattery sort of way where all of us can be kind of you know i'll maybe just have a few slides and we'll actually have that open discussion because i think there's there's a lot of stuff that you know i'm not paying much attention to chat because i've got to try and hammer through this thing and actually there's a lot of really interesting discussion going on a lot of people's thoughts so i think it'd be good to i might do it by chapter maybe you know we can pick out but i think through all the whole through the whole you know for the rest of the year and and it'll come up and up again you know while Real net is still weekly we've got plenty of hours to ourselves to to kind of chat through some of this stuff so my recommendation is if you've got if you've got stuff you want to discuss scribble it down or tweet me and generally um generally chuck chuck thoughts in my direction and we'll um i'm shaking up my green juice and we'll uh, we'll discuss it in future in letters because i think it's it's interesting to have that. I, i'm kind of missing chatting with you all about it um continues out me and if there is something particularly relevant you want to chuck in um yeah john christoph is saying he's getting familiar vibes from previous reports about other things oh columbia yeah yeah, yeah the, the columbia shuttle disaster yeah columbia having ignored uh challenger outcomes uh we're talking about shuttles, everyone. Go watch the shuttle episode after this. It's fantastic. Anyway, right. Um, rail matter, by the way. We did shuttles. We did a, a shuttle, space shuttle episode. Do you remember that? Anyway, right. Enough of me waffling. Let's get back to this report. Number 12. Devolved railways will be strengthened with closer collaboration with GBR, improving services, consistency, and coordination across the country. This is interesting. Devolved railways will be strengthened. Hmm. Existing devolved authorities in Scotland, Wales, London, Merseyside and and Wear will continue to exercise their current powers and to be democratically accountable for them. Okay, fine. They will continue to award contracts and set fares on their services, for instance. As now, devolved rail authorities will need to work together in partnership with GBR. Yep. This includes supporting a single national network. Yep. Including one website and app. That's fine. Yep. And delivering consistent branding and passenger standards such as on accessibility and compensation so we've already talked about that the end of last episode we talked about this i agree on lots of things on this uh you know i, I agree on lots of elements of what i presume that's sort of saying but i don't yeah we, we've already we won't rerun the same turf i don't agree with overwriting the existing brand identities of of scott rail and transport for wales rail so yeah let's uh oh there's more cooperation with single national with a single national organization will strengthen devolved railways by helping improve consistency in the passenger experience across the network maintain common principles and standards and improve joint working on issues such as managing specialist or scarce technology and skills yeah that, that's fair enough i have to say I, I broadly agree with particularly the latter point there um existing leases of stations to devolve transport authorities will continue and there will be opportunities to develop these relations in the relationships in the future gbr will continue to own the infrastructure in scotland and wales other than some of the South Wales Valley lines, as Network Rail now do, does now. I kind of felt this is the opportunity to make that not happen. But anyway, the government will explore options with Transport Scotland to enable the railway in Scotland to benefit from the reforms on the wider network of Great Britain. A joint working agreement between Transport for Wales and GBR will be explored to improve the rail offer for passengers and freight customers in the connected network between Wales, the West Midlands and the West of England. Yeah, that's kind of fair enough, because there is an acknowledgement that, uh, if you remember back to our... What should the Welsh Railway Network look like? There's, there's a lot of permeability. You know, um, the main airport for, for Wales is Bristol, or and Birmingham, it ain't Cardiff. Sorry, Cardiff. Sorry, Welsh Assembly Government for buying Cardiff Airport. Um, and that's one example. You know, actually, there's a huge commuting flow in in, in an, across the Severn, um, into and out of uh, Bristol, and and in and the same direction to Newport and Cardiff. And likewise, up in North Wales, of course, uh, up in the northeast, of, uh, northeast Wales, that an area that often gets forgotten. Lots of permeability. Um, so yes. Uh. Da-da-da-da-da. Um, this agreement would need to be negotiated between the UK and Welsh governments. Building on existing Wales and Borders agreements for frail- rail services fine. In London and the South East, a new strategic partnership will be established to support housing, economic growth, and the environment across the highly interconnected transport network in that part of the country. This will bring together GBR, TFL, and local authorities and businesses and, coordinate- and businesses to coordinate timetabling and investments and provide a consistent passenger experience in areas such as accessibility, ticketing, and communications. I-, I presume that's smooshing a bit of... I presume that's railways going to TFL that are currently uh another kind of southern or or whatever it is i presume that's what that is it makes absolute sense to do a reasonable level of kind of staged uh, integration for even thames link Thameslink runs miles north you know peterborough and cambridge it doesn't make sense that to be tfl owned but it does make sense for the bit in the middle to be tfl branded or you know almost like a, a bit of a hybrid so anyway let's not dwell on that more to chat about there i think um so uh, are we? what am I what am I waffling on about? Um, oh, Natasha Parry asks, uh, has there been any indication as to how they're going to divide this up regionally? Is something similar to now just with concessions, or the return of something like N City and NSE? That's a really good question, Natasha. I think maybe the, a little bit it comes back to number ten, um, which is actually let can get a picture. of The uh, let me do this network rail regions. Uh, let's do that. Uh, that's the picture I want. Marvelous. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, I need a high, nice high-res picture. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to get... No. Can I get this? No, that's not... Oh. I need to sign into Rail Business UK to get... I have i have a, I'm signed in, anyway. Oh. That's it. There we go. That's what I want. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, let me drag this over here and then do this. F11. And do this. This is what the regions look like at the moment. Uh, is that right? Actually, is that right? No, that's not... Uh, no, that isn't right anymore. Oh, golly. That was, that was a success, wasn't it? This is the one I want. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, oh, that's YouTube. Oh, my goodness me. Never, why? I'd never do stuff on the hoof. It doesn't work, does it? Um. Open image in new tab. There we go. Let me close this off. Get rid of this. And this. And then drag this over here. And that'll hopefully... Uh, just ignore Alan Spence up in the corner there um who's who's hi alan anyway these are the so you've got um kind of eastern you've got lnw you've got wales and western you've got southern and you've got scotland that's the five one two three four five uh routes and regions does that make sense uh does that kind of yeah um so so basically the new mapping is going to so that the new franchise is going to broadly and and the the idea was that these um that these root kind of routes and sub uh, the routes and regions sorry the regions and then the sub a- align with um the uh, the train operating companies broadly so i think that's the kind of structure we're going to have anyway thanks thanks alan i, I don't quite know why you're this was a youtube thing but anyway pleasure pleasure to have you on board alan spence for the show anyway what was i waffling on about good good question natasha hopefully that's kind of covered you uh, in a, in my roundabout way So here we go. Number 13, community rail partnerships will be empowered to strengthen rail's social and economic impact. So this, I've always been in two minds about that. The community rail partnerships do all sorts of great stuff, but also it kind of feels like exploiting volunteer labor to do a thing that ought to be paid. So I'm always in two minds. I I need to get the community rail people, folks on, because they do a lot of fantastic stuff, and a lot of my friends and colleagues in the rail industry support or indeed are part of community rail partnerships. But there's there's always a niggling feeling inside me going, kind of feels like everyone involved in this should be getting paid to run the railway and because they're doing a public service and contributing to the success of the railway. Anyway, um, Chris Jackson is reassuring me that I'm putting this up, and it's correct. Thanks, Chris. Uh, your reassurance is very helpful. Um, community rail partnerships will be empowered to strengthen rail social and economic impact. Okay, fine. Um, number 14, station management will be integrated within GBR to improve accountability for long-term investment in stations. Okay, yeah. Today, almost all stations on the network are owned by network rail, but all bar 20, the biggest, are managed by the train operators. This has created a fragmented system in which many stations are not managed effectively for the long term. Their potential as assets to the community are not fully realized and commercial opportunities are missed. Uh, I mean, to be honest, even the commercial opportunities are missed thing, I can kind of relate to. I I don't think that's wrong. Having done work on stations for mostly gauge clearance uh, and sat in meetings where where network rail and the leasehold, like the, the train operating company asset manager uh, and they're all sort of pulling in different directions have different needs and wants and it's just a mess uh, a real mess so for that to be uh kind of got rid of would be good and obviously you know unified branding in all stations uh outside of wales and scotland the master plan at watford junction includes better walking routes a new bus station easy navigation and new offices and many new homes yes good lovely um dedicated station management to be created stations are important so i will read through this paragraph um, within regional divisions of GBR to manage stations land and assets, um, let's talk about long term decision making accountability. They'll focus on building an understanding of the condition and potential of stations. Okay, yet yeah, before developing master plans for renewal where needed. Yeah, I like the idea of there being ch- a group that champions an individual station. I think that's good. This all sounds like new staff to me. Like it kind of sounds like uh, unless they have teams that do multiple stations, it kind of sounds like more staff needing to be employed not fewer but anyway uh number 15 opportunities to better unlock housing local economic growth and social value be explored okay that's really good housing the idea of unlocking housing and okay local economic growth whatever but social value housing and social value that is really important um uh yeah i i think that's a really that's a really good thing real opportunities for the railways to do more to support local economic growth yeah yeah yeah. Uh, such as encouraging and supporting small independent retailers on the rail estate. Well, given that the government pushed network rail to sell off all its railway arches, it's a bit hypocritical to come up with that. But anyway, um, yeah. So reusing existing rail buildings for services such as training, community hubs, and education. Yeah. These are all good things such as network rail has done already in Bolton could reduce costs for the voluntary sector and improve services for local residents. All really good stuff there. I, I, I like that. Um, I like that a lot. Um, Good. So yeah, we can drill into that maybe a bit, a bit more. Right. Oh, we've got a nice shiny graphic. New offer for towns, cities, regions, and nations. Better engagement, devolved railways, partnerships, and community rail partnerships. These are just some graphics. I don't know what they really are talking about, but it looks very nice, and it's the sort of thing that I could, you know, turn into a, an image in a Twitter thread or something. Uh there we go. Uh, best practice such, that, such as that demonstrate by the work of the Leeds-Morcombe Community Rail Partnership with Northern Trains to improve facilities for those with invisible disabilities and training staff and volunteers as dementia friends will be supported more widely across the network and incentivized within passenger service contracts. Cool, I like that. Um, 16. Transport Focus will be reformed to become a passenger champion advising the Secretary of State on passenger priorities. Uh two minds about that at the moment transport focus feels quite autonomous in a good way and independent in a way that it doesn't it can say mean things to to government um if it becomes too close to government it might stop saying the mean things which isn't good you need to have mean things uh, you need to have the ability to say mean things because home truths are important um uh, chris jackson you're absolutely right it has been great to see the railway heritage trust repurposing stations um for community use um in recent years yeah seeing andy savage and the team doing some fantastic stuff there sorry i digress um yeah okay so i uh, mixed feelings about that on transport focus number 17 performance and efficiency will be independently scrutinized by the statutory regulator the officer rail and road so the orr are going to have sl- well, it says significant change i'm not sure it will be significant change there'll be some some changes but there's broadly there's it'll just be them doing the job that they were kind of supposed to do but never quite did um as the orr um interesting uh, so there's, there's a little paragraph about the ORR between us it's not hugely interesting I don't think it represents much obvious change that'll make any difference to any of us And number 18 this is an important one current safety and security roles will remain in place across the rail network a consultation will be undertaken to ensure safety roles rules and standards are appropriate for the future okay that's there's two parts to that number one good the rssb and others will stay doing what they do number two to ensure safety roles rules and standards are appropriate for the future uh... As long as that doesn't end up being another one of these scapegoating standard situations, okay, fine. Um, Yeah. Hmm. There'll be no immediate changes to safety and standards roles across the sector, including those of the ORR, the RSSB, the RAIB, and the BTP. Um, Good. Uh, Good. (laughs) Uh, This is not the time to change those safety. Safety critical roles should not be thrown up in the air and tossed around with. They should always be very, very incremental, uh, unless something horrible has gone wrong. it should be incremental because that way you make sure you don't screw up things that are well established. Safety isn't a thing that you play with. It's not a thing that you just toss around for political gain. It's something that you grow and nurture and are very careful with to make sure that the right behaviors are in place and the right um, attitudes and and the right trajectories of safety continue. Um, So fine. Uh, So on that consultation thing, we've got a little paragraph here saying consultation we have undertaken with the sector in due course on opportunities to optimize the approach to safety under the new system okay the output of this consultation may result in future changes to roles and accountabilities and the government will work closely with partners as part of this consultation okay so it doesn't seem too hot on the meaning radical change it kind of looks like is the rssb right do we incorporate that within okay i think it's not it's not unreasonable to look at how that works and and, and whether that needs to to evolve i think that's fair enough so maybe that's not such a bad thing then I, as long as it doesn't end up as a chance to just sort of um, skimp on standards. That, remember, standards are just the way we record learning for best practice and safety. Um, that's just solid spinach. It's nice though. Um, I, I didn't drink it quickly enough so it's unmixed itself and I didn't put a pencil in it to stir it. It's my my error. Um still very tasty. Anyway, what is it? It's uh, It's spinach, it's lime, it's... I think that's it. Spinach, lime, uh, and and apple juice. I think that's all. It's very, very nice. Um, so, cross-sector organisations will be consolidated. Number 19. Uh, cross-sector organisations will be consolidated and integrated to enable the railways to operate more effectively and efficiently. So basically, this means absorbing RDG into GBR. Yep, that's fair enough. Um, national Railway... National Rail Inquiries, what are National Rail Inquiries do? I just knocked my glass over. Good job I finished it. not it, isn't it? Uh, they're getting absorbed. Um, good, fine. Okay, so that's not that grand. It's just, this will not affect the ability to train operators and other members of RDG to maintain their own independent trade association, well, whatever. Don't care. HS2 Limited, I mean, I, there are a lot of people in RDG have a lot of time for. And um, yeah, but to my mind, the only thing RDG have ever done other than running nre is running the station's best twitter competition best station on twitter that's the only thing they do that's it anyway right this is an interesting one that i had someone asking me about on twitter that i think i might have forgotten to reply to sorry um it was, it was a busy twitter day today and frankly i was really busy at work so uh, hs2 limited and east west rail limited will retain their current roles in the sector ugh stupid um, and we will work closely with GBR as it takes over responsibilities for integration from the Department for Transport and Network Rail. Regulated infrastructure managers that are separate from Network Rail will continue to manage their section of the network. GBR will work closely with them to ensure integration is managed safely and effectively. Ah, actually, that doesn't sound too bad. HS2 Limited and East-West Rail Limited are delivery organizations for the infrastructure and maybe for the, and for the trains, actually, in both cases. I'm, I'm at peace with that, fine, but the infrastructure should then pass to GBR, there shouldn't be weird pockets of, of nonsense rail. No, no, no. It should all be integrated. Otherwise, they're undermining this idea of reducing fragmentation. So I hope that changes the fact that... And that might change the equation for realising that East-West Rail should be electrified because it, it takes some of that long-term... Um, yeah, it takes some of that long-term uh, financial balancing. Uh, and, and, and hopefully it means that that equation alters. Uh, Chris Jackson points out that GBR will absorb the X association of train operating company functions from rdg so all the ticketing all the back end stuff that makes the railway ticketing system work it'll all become rdg so that's that's all that's this bit um the collaboration across the sector during the pandemic including with trade unions has shown the benefit of having a cross-sector forum for discussing the big challenges and opportunities facing the railway absolutely the government will work with leaders from across the sector to develop an ongoing independent advisory body to consider issues such as skills training leadership and technology doesn't sound like a bad idea as long as it doesn't become a a talking shop membership is likely to comprise senior leaders from gbr uh sorry from the gbr's regional divisions trade unions passenger and freight operators and representatives of the supply chain okay fine you notice they're still talking about train operators as if they're their own thing um it's interesting isn't it Uh, that anyway Number 20, track access will be overhauled to make the best use of the rail network in the overall public interest. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So this is kind of – there's there's a lot to unpick in this. It's probably its own episode. Uh, What if we got a picture? Oh, yeah, industry structure. That will be interesting to bring up in a second. So this is an example here. Multiple train operators bid to operate more services between York and Newcastle in 2015 than the infrastructure could manage. Uh, this led to congestion, delays, and poor customer service that impacted trains as far as Manchester. Well, let's not let's talk about Manchester because a good example is Manchester. Lots and lots, uh, too many uh, abbreviations going. On. Yeah, I know. Sorry, everyone. If, if there's a ch- message me if if I've said abbreviations at me, in so I can I can explain abbreviations. The audio only people, I can only apologise. But if you Google them, they'll appear quickly. So you know, Google. Uh, yeah, so constant, and this has happened recently with the open access operators competing with the, the regular operators, and, and it's just a bit of a mess. Manchester, currently, there are more trains scheduled, or certainly in the previous timetable, there were more trains scheduled to run through Manchester than physically could, you know, through the Castlefield corridor than physically could. That's do Um, so yeah, uh, overhauling that seems like a good idea to me. Uh, and there, there, there's some administrative stuff in there that you can pick out, but that seems sensible. I'm not going fast enough, it's already 8 pm crikey Mikey is it raining with you it's not raining in New York yet right current industry structure this is this is an interesting one uh, this is talking about okay this is the the, the before and after of the two industry structures again this is ideal for their Twitter threads so you've got all this stuff feeding in you've got the so these bluey things are um, you know, the open access operators freight operators train operating companies, devolved and dft for train operating companies and they're all feeding into it's just it's mild chaos in the current industry structure which is fair enough and there's a load of cross-sector stuff going on as well um, and the money flow is that passengers pay fares to the talks who pay fees to the dft but then subsidies go to the talks the talks also pay access charges and get compensation from network rail network rail gets its grant and also gets its access charges so that that kind of a roundabout and the money comes to the passengers and then it just sort of spins around in this 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 is what I'm saying uh the money the money go around um fine so the future it logic is that the dft will put money in in terms of the grant the passengers will put money in uh, in terms of the fares that'll go into gbr and the GBR will then pay fees to passenger service operators, and we'll get to that. And that, that makes sense. It's a, it's a more obvious, uh, more transparent structure, and it allows for better accountability. And you can see there's this bit of a bit of a, um, a kind of a simplification of this structure as well. It's not a radical simplification. If you unpick it, it's not that fundamentally different. But it is a bit of a realignment, and I, I think that's you know it is sensible to to sort of um, to, to kind of have that restructuring. It does make some sense um so so i'm fine with that. right we, we're finally we've gone to another chapter we have eight of these to do don't we bloody hell we're only in chapter four and we're already eight o'clock i'm gonna go faster i need to go faster for the past 25 years most passenger services on the railways have been run by franchised operators uh, so there's a load of stuff in here about like they're great but it's all collapsed they've they've collapsed in on themselves uh, they were great honest but they, they don't work anymore for some reason that's that's what that paragraph is about uh, that page um It's talking about the fact that half of passenger trains in the north were late in 2019-20. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Um, A third more uh, passenger services ran um, compared to the year 2000. That's pretty spectacular. And the four biggest franchises each had annual revenue of over $1 before the pandemic. So, So it's a big industry. This is a nice picture of Knaresborough. Isn't that glorious? Lovely Knaresborough. Um, right, twenty-one. Passenger, uh, franchising will be replaced by new passenger service contracts. I don't need to talk about this very much. We've already kind of covered it. The point is, where before the franchisers took the money and gave a bit to the DFT, what will happen is all the money goes to GBR, which will then give money to the these PSCs, these these kind of the talks, the the newfound talks, the concession holders, if you like. Simple. Twenty-two. PSCs, passenger service contracts, will focus operators on meeting passengers' priorities and will incentivize them to grow rail usage. Fine. I don't know to what extent they'll have the autonomy to do that, to be honest, but uh, they'll just be basically running the trains. So I don't really know what what capacity they'll have to do that. Tough measures and targets will be built into each contract. Yeah, sure. I don't know what power... If it's basically just you're just paying a private company to do what could just be done by GBR itself. I don't really know what power the PSCs will have to make any difference to anything at all. If they've got the ability to do clever, fear stuff, fine, but I don't know if they will. I, I don't know. I remain sceptical. Passenger service contracts toolkit. Okay, here are the incentives uh, to, to benefit on things like quality of service, running trains on time, passenger experience, revenue protection, train capacity. These are all things that the train operating companies, sorry, these the PSCs won't have the capacity to alter they might have the ability to do revenue protection stuff. Passenger experience, maybe. But running trains on time and train capacity, they have absolutely no control over. So I'm very skeptical over the usefulness. Again, this is a bit of a, why are they there? What's the point of them? Um, scorecard-linked incentives, collaboration, innovation, whatever. Uh, revenue incentives and risk sharing. Incentivizing growth in passenger numbers and revenue. Well, do they have the capacity to do anything like that other than just, you know, being on the by just having staff on trains that are going to be GBR branded, I just don't. That just yeah. The, 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 the continued existence of the Chris Jackson says that the management contracts will have quality and growth related bonus payments. Yeah, I know, but what's the point when they have no control over making growth happen? You know, it's just yeah. It just yeah. I, I I don't I don't exactly know what the what the point what the point is. It doesn't <laughs> um. Oh, what's ha- what's what, what? Lewis, what are you saying about Roscos? They're still listed as part of the supply chain in the new flowchart a few pages back. Oh, who's who's talking about Roscos? No, the Roscos remain their own thing. Um, the Roscos remain Roscos in their own right. I've got I've got slides about that later. Twenty-three. Each passenger service contract will be designed to support the needs of passengers and the whole network as part of an integrated system. I mean, sure, but again, what 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 resources do they have? It's, it's all this stuff about you know GBR will draw up the contracts and service plans. Fine. So the point is that all the control, all the levers of power are held by GBR and the Roscoe's. What, where do the passengers serve? where What of what these new talks have any viability? To do? It doesn't appear to me to be any usefulness to, that, to having that contractual arrangement. I know it works well in London, but it's only because the altern- no one's gone, well, might as well just be part of TFL. It's always the discussion of well, but it's better than franchising. Well, yeah, of course it's better than franchising. So what's the point of the concession? I don't get the point of the concession model. I don't understand. Feel free to tell me what that value is, but uh, and some people might try to. But to my mind, they don't have any control. So why are they in? Why, why are they getting bonuses for something they have no control over? It doesn't make any sense. Um, just just cut out that middleman. It doesn't make any sense. 24. Passenger service contracts will be different across the network and will not take a one-size-fits-all approach, including on contract length. Fine. That doesn't really make any odds for previously discussed reasons. 25. Operators will have greater commercial freedom on some parts of the network, with revenue-sharing arrangements where appropriate. New open access services will also be explored where spare capacity exists. Well, this is kind of a bit of an answer to what happens to Hull Trains and, you know, uh, Grand Central. Um, Yeah, I'm in two minds again about the open access operators. In Italy, the open access operators have really... And in fact, across continental Europe, the open access operators have generally driven improvements across the board in terms of reduced fares, improved quality, um, real competitiveness. The challenge we have in Britain is that we have a very different type of network. We don't have the capacity... We, we are desperately capacity-constrained, uh, uh, which means that it doesn't work so well. And, and much as I have a lot of time for the... You know, Big love for the teams in Hull Trains, Grand Central, so on. I, I don't think there's the capacity for long distance open access operators, and there's no sense in having, you don't have open access in 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 small, in small. So, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, shout at me loudly on Twitter if you don't agree, but I am I remain largely um, skeptical of of the of the viability of open access operators in this new model because if you're going to grow rail capacity then gbr have to be the ones who who push that you know and, and the the open access operators might try and slip in the cracks but broadly if those cracks exist we need to be running you know if we're trying to grow passenger numbers those cracks shouldn't exist we should be running passenger services as much as we possibly can on every inch of the rail network so yeah i'm not sure about that Twenty-six. The geographic and financial size of passenger service contracts will reflect local markets and needs. Well, obviously. Twenty-seven. Competition for passenger service contracts will be greater than for franchises, and Great British Railways will aim to compete all contracts. Well, that's just a wish. That's just a pie in the sky. I just, you know, whatever. Uh, you can say that. Doesn't make it true. Um, if operators fail, the government will be ready to step in and take control where needed. That's obvious. That's 28, by the way. 29, the government will work with the sector and potential new market entrants to develop and implement these changes. Fair enough. Um, you know, you can try and make it more accessible for, for new operators, but the reality is that new operators are always have the odds stacked against them because they don't have the understanding uh, necessarily of the, of, the, of the system. So, okay, you can try and make it simpler, but this sounds like making commercial private involvement a thing just for the sake of it because you're because of the color of your rosette anyway there's a nice picture of um look at that! not that lovely isn't that absolutely marvelous is that, that that's manchester right uh yeah yeah, yeah 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 it says manchester oxford road there in, in text i can see it in fact if i zoom in on it i dare say that'll be in british rail in in, in sorry in rail alphabet anyway right Oh, I need to escape this and do this right. We've done it. It's chapter five. We've done it. We've done it. Uh, how does Euro- oh, Good question from Kieran Warren. Uh, how does Eurostar, as an open open access operator, fit in the long term? Uh, fit in the long term in trying to grow international rail travel and connectivity to to encourage modal shift from planes. It's a very good question. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's to pass to be honest I don't know how I mean that's just an open question independent of any of this happening um, the, you know the Eurostar have the advantage that they are they, they are broadly the sole well their the sole long distance operator on HS1 so they've kind of got that party to themselves um, yeah uh, it's a good question though it's a good question uh, Josephine um, uh, I think they thought that the uncertain revenue risk meant that there were few bidders for franchises and this absence would change that yeah I know that's what their aspiration is. but I don't think that. I don't think it's going to make a diff- shred of difference. I just. I said. I don't. I, I. don't know what as a, as a private company. I don't know what what interest other than just having a a, a re- regular revenue stream. I don't know what interest you'd have in getting involved in the rail industry at this point. I honestly don't. I honestly don't. So um, yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good point we'll see a new deal for passengers the railways may no longer be able to rely so much on the commuter market yeah that's probably true to an extent uh, as the country emerges for the pandemic the railways must become much better at meeting passenger needs to avoid a society dependent on the car that again cannot disagree with that sentiment um satisfaction reached a 10-year low in 2018 yeah 2018 was a shambles for the railway good grief the may timetable catastrophe uh, yeah, it was an interesting time to start being a writer on the railways but it was not an interesting time for being a commuter anywhere near Manchester I can tell you uh, so yeah the public want reliable punctual services that represent good value for money that is it pretty much bob on yeah let's see how that turns out the government's aim is to make travelling by rail a modern, convenient and accessible experience for passengers yep sure um, let's see what happens shall we, let's see what some of their bullet points are There's this this guy looks quite pleased in his train uh is that a pendo it looks like a pendolino doesn't it around 20 percent of stations have step-free access to all platforms yeah that's a fat lot of good if you turn up on the platform and have not got anywhere to go because your trains doesn't have level boarding is it 47 percent. what does that mean fewer than half of all 47 oh, of all passengers feel their journey is value for money that's not that bad uh you know advanced tickets are great i'm just gonna say that i got to sheffield for six pounds whatever it was uh on monday and then I came back for – because I had to – always split your ticket at Sheffield. No matter where you're going, always split your ticket at Sheffield. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, what you need to do is uh, if you split your ticket at Sheffield, a ticket that costs – I come back from Darbados to York. ticket that was 54 quid, I think, cost me 18 because I split at Sheffield. That's bonkers. No one, Passengers shouldn't have to care about splitting. Anyway, only 37% of Ellinger, eligible eligible. <laughs> Eligible passengers claim compensation. Okay. well, oh, very interesting. Oh, here we go. There's some things that people want. They want safe trains, want accessible trains. They want seamless travel, connected, yeah, reliable, comfortable, informed, affordable, trusted. Um, yeah, sure. Let's get to our numbers, shall we? Number 30. Here we go. Uh, number 30. Easy, frictionless payment options for every journey will be introduced across the network. I mean... Fine, but you did, central government, just bin Transport for the North's contactless uh, system. Why did you do that? Bad move. Number 31. I'm not going to pick on that. That's an obvious thing, and it's it's very easily said and not very easily done because of lots of reasons. Uh, 31. Pay-as-you-go journeys will be expanded outside London to make millions more trips straightforward. Again, you bin the Transport for the North Pay-as-you-go system. So... Fine. Agreed. Good. Get on with it. You know, this has been happening and you keep slowing it down, not speeding it up, government. 32. Digital tickets will be introduced across the network. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's not very exciting. Fine. Good. 33. A new Great British Railways website and app will create a personalised travel experience. Here we go. This is the interesting bit. Um, yeah. So... As you might have noticed, I did a thing about Network uh, Rail, Network about uh, National Rail Inquiry's website, which is awful. It's an awful website. Don't ever use it. I use, I generally use, actually, I, I kind of bounce between Trainline and LNER because Trainline is actually a really good website for booking tickets. It. I also like using Trainline because it makes a lot of uh, snotty railway people angry because of the minimal £1 fee. So it seems to make a lot of snotty railway people angry. And actually, the trainline's website is unbelievably user friendly. It occasionally has problems because it rubs up against the over complex ticketing system, but broadly, it's an unbeatably good system. and And we need to, you know, railway people need to get out of the idea of, you know, I want this HTML one website from nineteen ninety seven that that splits my ticket eighteen ways and gives me, you know, reduces my ticket average price an average of seven percent every time. Forget that. More importantly, is the user interface for. Uh, you know kind of casual travelers the commuters don't they, they'll book it the same way they always have it's the casual travelers we need to and, and train line are better than that, at that than anyone else so um if we can improve national rail inquiries or you know i don't know get train line to build a new website or get get I, I, there are other 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 uh railway website builders are available but frankly um i don't know i don't know any of the others um so I think there needs to be a, a very – and it will be a very slick – I'm sure the new website will be very slick. You know, LNER's website is very good, for example. I, I like the LNER website a lot. So if the new National Rail Inquiries type website, the, you know, the, the new GBR website looks kind of broadly functions like that, then great. But as people said in the discussion, um, uh, as <laughs> – Josephine, Trainline gives me different prices on mobile and laptop, yeah. Uh, speak to speak to Trainline. <laughs> yeah there are there are lots of points of light in terms of the train operating companies some of them are really good um but um essentially what you need to what we need to have a system that combines all of those sensibly but also the challenge you've got is dealing with all of the different rules that the different talks currently have so that uh, there was some really interesting discussion that happened under my tweet when i said you know which should you prefer lots of individual websites or just one TrainPal is a pretty good app for casual travelers and we're ahead of train line in terms of splitting tickets oh thanks detour that's a good um that's a good that's a good um Good bit of advice there. There you go. Uh, Nice. Nice. Oh, that's two two people I can get sponsored by. I can get sponsored by TrainLine and I can get sponsored by TrainPal. Cool. Uh, Who do I need to hit up in the TrainLine and who do I need to hit up in TrainPal to get sponsored? Right. Get on that. Um, Jokes. So, uh, fine. Good. That sounds good to me. Single website. Positive. 34. Customer service at stations will be modernized with one team working expanded across the network. Oh, I suppose that's kind of like so you have the network rail slash talk people all become one person. Well, that's kind of obvious if it becomes GBR, right? Um, this could, yeah, okay, this could be. I mean, I don't really know what you know, one team working. I, tell me about. It just sounds like a no brainer to me. I don't really know what the the grand anyway. Right, there's there's a nice happy looking team that looks like Victoria to me. That they've got the Victoria thing around there. They've got the little Victoria Randall on their chest. I like that. I wonder what'll happen to those. I wonder if they'll get binned off, or they'll kind of keep them in a sort of a, you know, the you know what? Go back to the John Ellidge, John Elledge's episode where we brought I brought up as best I could all of the all of the network rail, um, so actually it's all the London ones, but all of the terminal, the terminus sort of Randall things. Anyway, fares will be simplified. Uh, okay, cool. That's that's a very short sentence for an incredibly complicated and nebulous statement of of intent. Crikey! Um, yeah, I mean, where to start? <laughs> I, I don't, that's that's just a whole episode. I, I can't even begin to unpick that. Fine, simplify it. But if you simplify fares, chances are you make them more expensive because some of the complexities, like Cheltenham Spa, by the way, I did know, is and Sheffield splitting and resulting in which you, some of those complexities, you get rid of those. The average fare will increase. So, I. I and actually, I don't necessarily mind if, it, if, if the if the cheapest fares disappear, but it, it brings everything else down a bit. I, I'm at peace with that, but it needs to be impact assessed. It ne- there need to be, um, you know, uh, equality impact assessments on that. We can't just do it blindly. We need to understand exactly what the impacts are, because anyone who gets their fare increasing is going to be rightly unhappy. So that's a huge statement. Number 35 is just enormous. 36, affordable fares and season ticket caps will continue to be protected. Fine. So all of a a sudden, that means... So you're not simplifying fares. You're still keeping all those in place. 37, off-peak services will be protected. Uh, Services, not fares. That makes sense. The idea of there being a a minimum viable product, essentially, for for passenger provision. That makes sense. Um, Fine, that was 37. 38, uh, new flexible season tickets will be introduced to reflect changing working patterns. They're not flexible season tickets, though, are they? They're carnets, which is just a clump of... um, which is just a clump of tickets and apparently they are as as expen they're, they're as cost effective as just getting a regular season ticket so apparently a bit dubious about that number 38 chris jackson fares will be simplified as far as the treasury will permit Yeah, well exactly yeah um so uh whatever uh that that season, flexible season ticket thing is a is a pretty meh situation i think happy to be corrected if anyone doesn't agree um, so 39 journeys across rail bus tram and bike will become seamless in the future that sounds like a great idea uh the government's committed three billion pounds of new money to bring about a bus revolution yeah, i know we did a, we did an entire episode on it didn't we uh railway stations will increasingly increasingly be hubs for local bus services good full information displayed about connecting buses great availability yeah, good, good 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 stuff like all that um so yeah uh improving plus bus i've never u- i've never used plus bus is it actually good or should it be integrated as part? Of, like I always, it always felt like a bit of a slightly tacky add on and I was always wary of it. Um, so yeah, uh, new transport services such as automated vehicles and rented e-scooters are emerging with trials currently underway. Yeah, they are put an e-scoot, please put a tier scooters thing in the station and make sure it's somewhere where it's not going to block you know access to the station, but do put it in the station, please. Uh, GBR will need to aim for seamless integration and learn from the errors that have held up integration with other mobility services in the past. You're absolutely right. Number 40, and we are picking up some speed now. It's 2022. Sorry, folks, I know it's going long. I hope this is all right. And, and do stop me if you do want to explore something a little bit more. Um, Someone has asked, oh, Intercity125 Trains and Aviation. That's a hell of a mouthful. Hello, Intercity125 Trains and Aviation. Uh, one, Intercity125 Trains and Aviation asks, what will the liveries be like? We're going to do an episode... Playing with liveries, obviously, it's easy content and it's something fun and lighthearted we can all cock around with. So we'll um, we'll have, we'll have a look at that. We'll we'll do some conversions of of existing to to future potential uh, train operating company vibes. So yeah, I, I think that'll be a fun episode. We'll we'll do that in the future. That'll be good. One. It might that can't be a pre-record. That's got to be a live one. There's some pre-records coming because I got holidays and real life. So um, I need to think of. Make your suggestions... Patreon people, make your, your pre-record suggestions for things you think will work in pre-record because um, I'm not... I've got that many guests about because I'm not organised. Um, Chris Jackson says he's used Plus Bus about twice in 20 years. Yes, <laughs> same. I don't know why I never got it. It's probably a good system. It just always felt a bit tacky and it had a... You know, it had that like giffy logo from, you know, 40 years ago, whatever it is. Anyway, always looked a bit... Always looked a bit untrustworthy and like it wouldn't actually work for the sort of buses that I needed to catch. Anyway... 41. Trains will be made more pleasant. Oh no, I missed 40. 40. Getting to the station on a bike and taking on a train will be made easier. I'm going to read the whole section here because this is a key one for a lot of us keen cyclists. The government is investing two billion of new money to dramatically improve cycling. That's gear change. We're going to do gear change uh, as a as a page turn at some point soon. Um, a bike can be made clean what? A bike can make clean and sustainable transport journeys door to door when combined with a train, bus or light rail, matching the convenience of the car. Absolutely. The government will invest substantial sums on safe cycle routes to stations. Okay, good, particularly in commuter towns such as Guildford and Harrogate. And increased cycle storage at stations, including at City Centre Termini, where it is currently limited. Yeah, York has loads, but it is always full. Well it was in normal times. Bringing a bike on board makes a train journey even more convenient. Yet even as cycling has grown in popularity, the railways have reduced space available for bikes on trains. GBR will reverse that. This is a hell of a claim. Increasing space on existing trains wherever practically possible, including on popular leisure routes. It will also make it easier to reserve bike spaces online and without reservation on quieter trains. That's also critical. Uh, Good, I like that. All future train fleets will need to include more bike spaces relevant to the markets served operators will continue to restrict bikes on peak hour commuter trains where the space is needed for passengers that that's all fair enough that's a big bold and positive section really positive section that you can hold government to account on uh, as as we should that's really good stuff you know the ability to travel by by train with a bike is getting more and more hopeless partly because the railway is getting more busy uh but also because um basically the incentives for the current industry are entirely against you know swapping out paying passengers for for bikes which doesn't make sense because you're undermining a market there 41 trains will be made more pleasant to travel on and easier to work aboard uh, it's the seat chat. It's the seat chat section, isn't it? <laughs> seat chat. Hashtag seat chat. Because the emphasis was on carrying more passengers, recent designs of new trains have compromised on passenger comfort. Well, I mean, that is actually potentially true. With hard seats in close configuration, features such as tables no longer commonplace. Well, that's because we have a limited capacity rail network. If you're talking about doing these things, you're talking about reducing the number of seats. And, and it isn't just commuter journeys where space is limited. LNER which is primarily leisure travel is rammed and was rammed pre-pandemic and is now rammed again those aren't all commuters so it mixed feelings about this obviously um we need to make the railways more appealing and make them more comfortable but sacrificing seat space it's easily said but with a limited capacity rail network if you're not going to invest in upgrading infrastructure in a big way if you're not going to exploit HS2 properly and run really high-frequency services, then you are going to be challenged with the um, with, with with pressures on, on seat, seated capacity. And ultimately, the most important thing people want on a train is a seat. At passenger Focus, you know, the, the the National Rail Passenger Survey always makes that absolutely clear. So that's 41. Uh, oh yeah, they can introduce new design and ride standards to make sure all new trains are more comfortable than their predecessors. Oh, big talk, folks, big talk. Uh... Oh, yeah, they, they they explicitly say they're going to replace the ironing board-like seats uh, subject to negotiations with suppliers and business case approval. So that means that it ain't happening, but they've said it is going to. So they put, they've put they put the hashtag seat chat as its own section within the Williams-Chaps revival, which is pretty hilarious. Oh, anyway, right. So, um, beginning with long-distance trains in order to make the seats significantly more comfortable and uh, or to replace and eventually remove them altogether. Lol. Right. The meaning of life, 42. Compensation will be simpler and easier to claim with consistent, modern process right across the network. That's fine. That sounds sensible to me. Uh, I don't think there's much to unpick. Uh, Dive in yourselves if you want to really dive into that. Uh, 43. Passengers will receive clear, consistent information before, during, and after their journeys. Their experiences will be monitored more effectively. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, again, this is a good thing. There can be mixed messages from the talks and from Network Rail, actually. Network Rail lead the way in terms of customer information but some of the talks are very good at at, at dealing with customer at providing customer information as well so uh there'll be fewer annoying and repetitious recorded announcements it's a bit you can tell that some grumpy axe to grind Tory has gone through and added a lot of things that, that annoy them you know like uh, ironing board seats and repetitive announcements like okay there are things that annoy some people but there are bigger fish to fry than some it's like that's a bit micromanagey. like just just hit the broad announcements Come on now Oh, so um, yeah, whatever. Uh, Forty-four. The first robust national accessibility. Right. Okay, this is critical. The first robust national accessibility strategy and long-term investment program will improve inclusion and access for all. Okay, right. I'm going to go through this in a bit of detail. Great British Railways will be given a statutory duty to improve accessibility, building upon the existing work of ORR in this space. Transport Focus will champion the interest of passengers in accessing the network, identifying failures and concerns, and escalating issues to the Secretary of State. Uh, A comprehensive audit of network accessibility will be conducted to provide robust, consistent, and detailed information across the full range of facilities and standards. Data generated will be made publicly available and be regularly updated so that passengers can plan their journeys with greater confidence, Use the national gauging database. The National Accessibility Strategy will provide the first robust, joined up system wide approach to accessibility, including getting to, from and around stations and here we are, and on and off trains. The strategy will introduce new consistent standards to enable passengers to know the level of service to expect wherever and whenever they travel. This will be underpinned by improvements in training and information for staff leading to so a more inclusive culture that puts the needs of passengers first. Okay, good. Today, there are numerous different funding pots for accessibility improvements, including Access for All, Stations Improvement Fund and the Customer and Communities Improvement Fund. The government will consolidate these into a single accessibility fund agreed as part of Great British Railway's funding settlement. This fund will serve a new long-term investment programme that will allow investment to be prioritised where it is most needed, using data from the accessibility audit to enable the National Accessibility Strategy's goals to be delivered. Improvements will also be delivered in a more efficient and timely manner alongside other schemes such as track renewal or station modernization. So so there's a clear, there's clear, within these par- this paragraph, there's cl- a clear understanding that there are infrastructure elements to this. And that last sentence is like clearly looking at level boarding. But it's not mentioning it by name. Design standards for stations will be updated by an expert working group, including community rail partners, blah, blah, blah uh that's just about bringing in uh real alphabet two and um that, that that work is already kind of underway yet, if not kind of broadly finalized in fact we know what new station signage is going to look like um so fine right so that's the end of chapter five and at that point i'm going to flick us back to this slide here uh oh campaign for level boarding yeah what about level boarding so that's the section on accessibility the whole report which i think i've already shown you i've done this already haven't i ctrl f level boarding nope not a thing so there's not a single match for level boarding in there right which is a problem why is that a problem so we've, we've read this bit these this is the section on there uh, on accessibility it's good there's good stuff in there right Oh yeah, that's right. I did my search. Uh, no, I, this, this is me setting this up for Twitter, right? So you, I did a thread. Um, right. So the reason why, the reason. I, so this is a quote from a BBC article that came up recently, and for me, it. it this is this is so this is so this is um, a lady who has been campaigning for. She's been talking about the fact that she has degrading, humiliating, humili, humiliating, degrading, humiliating uh, treatment when trying to board trains. Right. And so, specifically, she wants level boarding. By the way, the campaign for level boarding needs to contact her. We need to get on that um, from the platform to the train to be made a legal requirement on the UK rail network by 2040. Right, that is a it's a tough, but it's a sensible ask because, frankly, disabled people have been waiting. Excuse me, have been waiting long enough um, for getting access onto trains you know independent access a ramp is not an acceptable solution for people to get on and off trains in the 21st century it's pathetic absolutely pathetic and i get very upset when i have people i had some i was very frustrated by some people i generally enjoyed interacting with on twitter who are saying some pretty silly things about? Oh, there's no point doing level boarding until you've got level until you've got access into the station. Like, well, that that makes no sense. You'll you'll never. There's no point having access into the st- access you know access for all until you've got level boarding. You can keep having that argument until the cars come home. But you'll never get anywhere. All of it needs to happen, and all of it needs to happen at once. Hugely frustrating. And, and other people saying, oh, but the ramps are an acceptable. You know, people can get on and off trains with ramps. Like that is not acceptable. It's not independent access. It's it relies on you trusting that a ramp is gonna be where you need to get off the train. It relies on you when you arrive at the station, having to find and make sure that there is a ramp. It's just pitiful. Um Doorhanger ninety two says twenty four, it should be twenty twenty-five. Well, yeah, indeed. Basically we should have been pushing for level boarding to be a thing from, you know, from twenty five years ago. Should have been part of the original settlement for for privatization, let alone the discussions that we have now. So so this person Uh, she started looking for jobs outside of London because it's easier um, and couldn't get home anymore. She points out that she doesn't want to be manhandled onto a train every weekend to go and see family. It's it's horrible. Then what was really unpleasant is that the DFT... Here's the DFT, who we've been trying to deal with, in from, from you know the, the campaign trying to deal with them. They said it was trying to ensure completely level access for passengers between trains and platforms on newer networks, such as the Newcastle uh, Metro. It's not the Newcastle Metro; it's the Tyne and Wear Metro or the DLR. Both the Tyne and Wear Metro and the DLR were built with level boarding in mind from the outset. So that that they've, they've done that. They, the Tyne and the Metro was the first to do it. It was the first to achieve it. We now have Merseyrail, as as Andrew Sherwood has just pointed out, Merseyrail, which we're going to get um, David Powell on to talk about it once they start. Uh, you, you've not escaped, David. If you remember, in fact, we went through this in the level. There is the level board. We've done the level boarding episode of Rail Matters, so I've covered a lot of this. You all you all know this stuff already. But um, Merseyrail are showing how it can be done for mainline networks. You know, the Merseyrail solution is not a metro only solution. It is a national network of all, all trains can pass solution. So this is the nonsense that I'm talking about, this rubbish here from the DFT. The DFT said it was unable to change some platforms in the UK's rail network for historical reasons. Utter rot. Utter, utter rot. And then what's worse is that uh, Ms Woodcock-Fowles pushed the issue. She says she was told by the DFT that it would no longer correspond with her in the matter. Just, just, this is just... I'm afraid this entirely summarises, entirely summarises the attitudes of broadly and generically the dft um when it comes to accessibility there may be some points of light but i'm sorry the attitudes are wrong and even people who ostensibly should be champ are supposed to be champions even within the RTG actually people who are supposed to be accessibility champions continue to peddle falsehoods about how level boarding how hard it is to deliver it isn't necessarily that hard and it doesn't matter if it's hard it needs to be done but also how how you know how technically complex it is and and come up with reasons for for why it can't be rolled out you know excuses not reasons it's, it's pitiful uh, if you want to understand level boarding um, there, there are some questions coming through about how it works go and watch the level boarding episode of rail matter where i go into it things like curvature and stuff like that we, we cover all that so that's level boarding so i'm pretty disappointed that level board it's annoying that level boarding as a name has been politicized to the point where they refuse to mention it within the report i'm annoyed by that really annoyed by it and and, and it's it's a get out of jail free card because it's hard. It, It's it's not hard, but it involves long term commitment and, and funding. So um, there are lots of questions coming in. Level boarding, go watch that episode. Right, we're on chapter six. It's twenty thirty six. Uh, how long have we been going for? An hour thirty five. Can we do this? Can we actually do this? Oh, this oh this chapter's bollocks. This is the this is the the stupid oh private sector um section which just has. Uh, Oh, also, there's a paragraph which is just nonsense. in So, Great British Railways will be expected to learn from the best elements of the public and private models. I mean, yes, there is a combination of public-private there. Uh, admitting that it's essentially irrelevant is an important part of this. Um, And to be entrepreneurial. uh, Why am I struggling to pronounce words so much at the moment? It's because I'm doing my I'm reading voice now. It's not very good. That voice of mine is not very good at doing ours. And to be entrepreneurial and actively promote the railways and the many businesses that serve it and support it. Okay, right. Listen to this nonsense. Hundreds of innovative, competitive private businesses filled the gap of British Rail's research and development arm in the 1990s. What? Uh, What? Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Did did they? No, they did not. One of the biggest gaps that the private railway left is the total lack of any coherent, centrally administered research and development program. Uh, (laughs) what? So that's nonsense. Anyway, right, I'm going to... There are there are more like our country succeeds when its public and private sectors work in tandem. Yeah, to an extent that's true. I I, I do buy into that. I, in fact, I vigorously buy into that. I do buy into the Mariana Matsucato logic of like, you know, mission-oriented um and kind of public and private, you know, the name on the top of the check doesn't really make much difference. It's more about having a strategy. But uh, that sentence is nonsense. So I'm just going to completely uh just ignore that. It's a load of rubbish. Anyway, so there's a load of stuff. We're probably going to go through these really quickly. The economic... Ah, but they do talk about rail... They've snuck rail freight in here, which is a bit weird because rail freight deserves to have its own chapter and it doesn't. The last one was passengers, wasn't it? was it? Passengers. Uh, Yeah, New Deal for Passengers. And then this one's about... It's about unleashing the private sector's potential. What it should have been is talk about freight. But anyway. The economic and environmental benefits of rail freight will be supported by a new customer-focused approach, modern track access rights, and new safeguards. Fair enough. If that means there being a GBR rail freight portal where you can say, I've got a thing. Is it possible for to move said thing from here to here? And if I was going to do it, how would I involve rail in that process? If that's going to be involved, great. If it isn't, that should be on the list because that's a serious shortcoming. If I start a business and I decide, you know what, in my business, I want to move stuff from here to here. And I would like rail to be part of that. I have no idea where to even start. I don't even know what to Google, let alone if there's a website to search for it. Uh, There's a picture of a freight train. So what was that? What we've got, forty five, right, fine. Forty six. Operators will take a lead role in improving services and performance by innovating with private partners, including train leasing companies. What a meaningless bullet point. I just I don't I don't know what the relevant what does it what do they mean by that? Um forty seven, modern contracts will be introduced to increase competition, reduce costs, and help to attract private investment for new technologies. That's also a load of nonsense. I just don't just irrelevant. What 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 does that? Eat? What value is that providing anyone? Forty-eight partnerships with other key infrastructure providers, such as broadband innovators, will help to boost the country's drive towards revolution and connectivity. The railways have a huge potential to push forward the government's ambitions for five G and gigabit speed connectivity. Uh, harnessing the opportunity to partner with technology businesses could enable our railways to become the backbone for connecting people digitally as well as physically. I mean, yeah, that's that's fair enough, but it's kind of a thing we've been doing already. There's a hell of a lot of fiber broadband in cable routes around the, the railway network. So, uh, you know, n- fine. That's kind of nothing new. 49, new locally-led innovation schemes will unlock smarter working and support growth. That's meaningless. 50, local engagement will better support small and medium-sized enterprises and startups. Again, what does that mean? What 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 do these things mean? What are the outcomes? What's the measurement? What does this mean? <laughs> 51. Contestability across operations will need, no, will be increased, but subcontracting will need to deliver real value for money. Oh, well, I'm puzzled by this one. So what it's saying is we want more competition, but we also need to control subcontracting to make sure it's delivering value for money. Well, I suppose let's take the good out of that one, because, again, it's basically meaningless waffle. But the idea that outsourcing is not necessarily a default, cost saving is a good it's a good thing that's that's a good thing to have written down because in the exa- high output's a good example they brought everyone in house and everything cost less um you know more staff stability lots of good things i mean you all know my feelings on contingent workers you know the exploitation of contingent workers well that's the end of that chapter i told you that was a rubbish chapter uh yeah the chapter six is just a load of, is mostly a load of nonsense other than the freight bit uh, and this again, so it should be that. So, Chapter Six should be about rail freight, and Chapter Seven should be about the environment. That's why it's green. But you'll notice that the environment stuff has been taken out, and they changed the name to accelerating innovation and modernisation. Okay, maybe that's a fine. But anyway, right? British Railways need to modernise if they're to become the backbone of a cleaner, greener public transport network, meet passenger demands for better connectivity, and serve the needs of businesses and manufacturers more effectively and affordably. Fine. Uh, yeah okay Let, let's see what's going on here rail is the cleanest public transport service producing around one percent of transport emissions great yeah government is investing 245 million in rail research and development from 2019 to 2024 great transport for london's open data hey where are you will 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 you in there they mentioned open data hooray um is now used by over 600 apps oh, actually while we're here should we uh open data nine mentions of open data in the whole report that's not bad is it anyway um 52 here we go 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 electrification of the network will be expanded yay an alternative technology such as hydrogen and battery power will help to achieve zero emissions from trains and reduce air pollution boo well not really boo but more like uh, they immediately fixated upon hydrogen and battery but whatever okay They've said electrification of the network will be expanded. That's, you know, it's a good thing. This is also an important sentence in the third paragraph down here, or rather the second body body text paragraph. Electrification is likely to be, well, is likely to be. No, electrification will, but anyway, electrification is likely, likely to be the main way of decarbonizing the majority of the network. Electrification does not merely decarbonise existing railway journeys. It has a clear record of attracting new passengers and freight customers to rail. The so called Sparks Effect. Oh, they've mentioned the Sparks Effect. Hooray! Um, thereby decarbonising journeys that would otherwise have been by road. Absolutely. The government has announced almost 600 million to start work on electrifying the Trans Pennine route between Leeds and Manchester. Have they? When? Where? Design work to extend electrification to Market Harbour is underway. Uh, well, that, no, that's that's in the bag. The 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 electrification work. I think there's some amount of millions for pushing that further. I think is it public? Is it public domain? I don't know. Well, I think there's there's uh, the best part of ninety million quid now for electrifying further up the middle of mainline uh, towards Darbados. Anyway, um, so that's going to all be announced shortly. GBR will bring forward costed options to decommission the whole network to meet da 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 da. A part of the 30 year strategy, good. Um, cost adoptions, decarbonizing, these are all good things. Battery and hydrogen powertrains will be trialed for passion. Actually, wait a minute, wait a minute. Scratch this, roll back. Um, these plans will help to kickstart innovation and change across the sector, support long term funding commitments, and build on the forthcoming tra- transport decarbonization plan and network rail's recent traction decarbonization network strategy. Hooray, the TDNS gets a mention. Uh, battery and hydrogen power trains will be trialled for passenger routes where conventional electrification is an uneconomic solution, in order to support the government's ambition to remove diesel-only trains from the network by 2040. Fine. Fine. <sighs> um, good. So, um, I'm vibrating. Why am I vibrating? Uh, various reasons. Oh, what? I don't know what this is? Uh, oh, just... Why is? Why's Google Google Alerts is sending my my own tweets? No, don't do that. It must have got must have got a sufficient number of hits. Weird. It never does that. Anyway, you don't care about that. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Is because like like I'm tired? Doing this for an hour and forty five minutes nearly. So that was fifty four was, electrific- was electrification. Fifty two was electrification. Fifty three. The contribution of the railways to the nation's green recovery will be strengthened, including through a comprehensive environment environment plan by 2022 that will establish rail as the backbone of a cleaner future transport system that sounds good i like the sound of that i i you good a part of an integrated plan a big plan i like that i don't nothing to argue for me for me there i look forward to seeing it whether it actually turns into anything meaningful is another question but anyway 54 energy efficiency renewable power production tree planting other green initiatives across the rail estate will be accelerated cool sure uh just don't plant those bloody trees anywhere near the rail the running edge please just keep them 1.5 times their own height away from the rail from running tracks thank you fine whatever uh solar panels on all stations sounds like a good idea to me that i think the new station design that we talked about the other episode was um actually incorporates uh, i think it actually incorporates um solar panels into the into the the, the roofs which is quite nice graham harrath is repeating tdns and banging the table i think yeah graham with you on that 55 long-term investment in climate resilience will be prioritized supported by smarter forecasting planning and technology uh yeah that's actually a really important one particularly in the aftermath of in the aftermath of carmen uh that is critical absolutely critical um uh, and I think that you know ignoring the, the crash reports the two the two sort of studies that, that happened after Carmen into one was about climate and, and weather forecasting and, and integration with that the other was about earthworks and drainage um, and kind of line-side asset management those two both talked about the need for I mean we, we, we know I've, I've talked about this a lot you know the railway desperately needs more to, to have more climate resilience it really does number 56 uh, an open by... Here we go. This is the open data, open data. Will, are you paying attention? Are you there still, Will? Anyway. Um, 56. An open by default approach to data sharing will better inform journeys, improve transparency, and unlock new technology. So this is good. This is the thing. Again, this can allow um, This can allow an unlocking of an enormous amount of potential in the railways, which is default that everything should be open data. None of this stupid are oh, protected for commercial reasons. Blah, blah, blah. Um. Like, yes, open data is so powerful. I need to do an episode on it. I need to do a rail piece on it. I've half-written one, actually, but I needed to... uh, The trouble with my rail pieces is is that I like to have... I need to have a thing to hang them on. And sometimes I kind of half-write it, and I talk about... Generically talking about information, but not... the way i do my pieces for rail this is a bit of an insight if anyone's particularly interested it needs to have like a thing to hang on i like to have it you know a story needs to have a a topical relevance a thing that people go ah this is a thing that i've been thinking about recently Ah, i can explore that subject with the in the context of this recent thing um and i just haven't had one for open data uh so anyway i'll get there it's a very interesting topic and i want to talk more about it Open data will make it easier for partners to provide new services such as end-to-end journey planning. Yep. Find my seat features. Yep. And personalised travel offers like a free coffee when a service is delayed. Yep. Uh, now, who's who have I talked to who's talked about these things for a long time now? Anyway. Um, so, long-time collaborator, if you're watching. They've, they've put it in the report. Anyway. um. Pete Johnson, yeah, my BBC pal calls it a newspeg. Oh, that's quite. Oh, yeah, the hanger. There is the clothes hanger analogy. Just, just kind of, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, there's some interesting discussion going on about how much this report means anything. We'll, we'll get to that at the end, I think. Um, so I, I think that's good. I think that's good. I, I could, I could read through the open data thing, but to be honest, just that, that for me, open by default approach. That's the key thing. Fifty-seven research development and innovation funding will be simplified to make it more outcome focused and to improve collaboration i don't like the look of that research should be available uh, should be funded for the sake of itself in lots of cases Uh, in all cases research for the hell of it is is a good thing br research did so much research for the hell of it and yeah they probably had to justify what it might end up coming coming to you know what, what it might end up becoming useful for but anyway so um GBR's regional divisions will lead delivery of uh, research, development, innovation projects. They'll work more closely with um, partners such as um, Ukraine, the UK Rail Research and Innovation Network. They're the universities. Big up, Ukraine. Hello to all of you in primarily. Uh, wait a minute, what are the primaries? Leeds, Huddersfield, Southampton. No, it's Huddersfield southampton and birmingham i think those are the three anyway there's quite a few university groups clusters are involved yeah but i I know that you know i've got chums in leeds chums in huddersfield chums in uh in birmingham actually i don't have any chums in southampton southampton if you i'll come down and have coffee and and we can chat about i don't know earthworks and some of the other stuff you guys do um anyway so that's good r&d focus uh I'm, i'm slightly unnerved by the outcome focused thing but generally research is is well funded it just doesn't integrate well it's just not in, it's just not um, integrated well with industry so um yeah paul j yims uh, uh, or paul uh, paul j James, it might be uh, no outcome focused research ever led to anything groundbreaking uh, in my opinion yeah well indeed uh yes so uh fine oh here's a page on uh, it's gone green and it's a page on project speed Oh, golly, Speed, which they've backronymed to Swift Pragmatic Efficient Enhancement Delivery, is a rail-specific initiative uh, established to identify opportunities to reduce the timescales and cost of delivering rail infrastructure. Yeah, I had a good long chat with them, um, with Gary about this on on um, Monday. I don't think you mind me saying because it's lots of people who are currently involved in Speed. I don't think it's a, a great secret that certain you know various projects are, are within the kind of within Project Speed, and there are some really positive things happening in there actually. My fear is that it won't the things that work. So for example, there's loads of stage gates, loads of processes you have to go through in the original grip. There's nothing wrong with grip ostensibly it' just sometimes there are lots of duplicating hurdles. and um, the issue is so so the speed is basically a bit like waving the project speed flag. They're allowed to jump through some of those things uh, to kind of get to certain stages, you know business case stages or whatever you know uh, design stages quicker than ha- ha- happened previously. That's good, but we need to write down where that works without causing any problems, and and keep that, and where it doesn't work, or where actually you need to then revisit that anyway, and it's not really saved any time. We also need to write that down. So I'm a little. I hope there are teams writing down where that those savings are functioning or not, because I'm I, I don't know. Anyway, this is all because number fifty-eight speed will accelerate the delivery of improvements, making more efficient results than new normal. I have to say I'm a cynic on this, because because ultimately engineering requires checks and balances and 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 yeah so we'll we'll see uh uh it seems like there have been some successes some some there's some fast things have happened actually infrastructure wise um but the extent to which i I don't know yeah we'll we'll see um i'm yeah Mm. there's a nice picture of oakhampton with some sleepers on a on a sleeper train because they're laying tracks to oakhampton very nice Oh, here we go. This is the staff one, Matt Reed. You were asking about staff. This is the staff one. What time is it? One fifty-two oh five. I'm sorry, this is this is going on, but we're gonna we're gonna get to the end of this, and we're gonna talk very briefly about the Roscos, and then we're gonna talk about um, we're gonna talk about the my feelings on the overall report, and then we're gonna go to bed. Chapter eight: Empowering Rail's People. The government has spent paid around twelve billion over the past fifteen months to keep the railways running and keep two hundred forty thousand people in the sector in work. That's an ominous way to start a chapter. It's like, it's like holding us to ransom. It's like, we paid you 12 billion quid to keep you all in work. It's like, well, yeah, that was a global pandemic. Good. Of course you did. Well, what? Hmm. The collapse in passion numbers during the pandemic, likely of uh, the employees, employers have a stake in the future, must be involved in shaping it. Yep, fine. Future of the sector hangs in the balance. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. The future of the sector does not hang in the balance. That's entirely up to government's decision to make it hang in the balance, and obviously it sh- can't hang in the balance, so that's a bollocks statement. It does not. The future of the rail network does not hang in the balance. It's an entirely a government decision to make that the case if it is. The government wants the railways to provide high-quality jobs across Great Britain with staff in the sector and across the supply chain able to learn, progress, and crucially adapt to a change in transport sector. Fine. Uh, I'm reading through for the bit. Right, Fine. This will mean working across the sector to promote cooperation and collaboration between different parts of the system, developing an inclusive diverse culture where people feel job satisfaction and rewarding people appropriately for helping to improve productivity and customer service. Fine, fine, fine. A flexible and sustainable workforce is key to this, right? This is where it starts getting more dubious. This cannot mean that everyone can do the same job in the same way as they always have, but instead that people will have opportunities and investment in training to improve their skills and potential so they can develop their careers more effectively. I mean, that, uh, ostensibly, I don't disagree with that. It, it, some of the undertones are perhaps where I'm uh, you know, a bit more worried about that. This chapter sets out plans to address the challenges of the past and grasp the opportunities of the future. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Including new technologies that will radically change the way passengers travel and freight is moved across the network. Okay, These plans will put the workforce front and centre in the transformed railways at the heart of GBR. Wonderful. Let's see what the bullet points are. Um, Over 30% of total rail costs in 1920 were staff costs. Rail industry wage growth has increased on average above the rate of inflation over the past decade. Good. That's what happens when unions are involved, folks. You get paid better. Uh, greater than... Uh, greater than, More than 250 days of strike action had occurred since 2016. Yeah, I wonder if those two might be related. Anyway. 59. A new joined-up cross-sector training and skills offer which will support people at every career stage to develop skills and bring in experience from outside the rail sector. Uh, is this the bit that mentions NCATI? That'd be funny if it is. Where is it? No, it doesn't. Anyway, reform of the railways must begin with ensuring that everyone working in the sector is a fulfilling, challenging, flexible, modern role, and that together they have skills and cap- capabilities to deliver for passengers. Yep, agree with all that. Fine. Uh, training is good. But Bayes tried to do this, and they've buggered it up almightily. um because no one got interested in it. Ultimately, you know, education is a thing that you require the right people in the right place and you have to fund it properly. NCATI was a bit of a calamity because they didn't have the right people in charge at all, did not rate the leadership of that organization. They had no idea how the rail industry worked. They had no idea about control periods. They had no idea about why people weren't being involved. They had no idea that HS2's delays were what were causing the delay in, in, in students arriving. It was a bit of a shambles. Chris Jackson points out we had a network of railway training schools I wonder what happened to them oh well, indeed yeah what, what did happen to those have I actually got my folder don't you? what's this this looks uh, I, that's actually the old BR one there we are there's one uh, actually I have another one where's the other one I've got another good um, I've got several old BR training folders oh it's one up there that I, can I get it uh, no because I'll probably pull this with me let's do this it's I, I mean I know it's past two hours and all of you like what you're doing but that's yeah. so what you need to see was just me and my shorts right there we are big face look at this, look at this. school of transport Darlington what's that logo there yeah, hmm, I wonder. Hmm, anyway. We've been there before, and we lost it all, and everyone forgot, and then we binned it all, and now we're going to start it all up again. Fantastic. What a waste. So, yes, good. 60, a sector-wide workforce plan will be developed to assist employers and build system-wide resilience. Uh, okay. This is, This is like the element of, like, union busty type stuff that they uh yeah constant rounds of industrial relations disputes on the railways have diverted the sector from developing a coordinated strategic approach to planning its workforce um, yeah i mean okay a reset is needed to allow the sector to dedicate time and attention to fostering the skills and talent needed to be fit for the future I, again I, there are lots of euphemisms within this of like some of this you could argue it's like yeah that means getting rid of guards and turning them into different types of staff well to an extent maybe that isn't. yeah some of that needs to happen to be honest you know the industry does need to develop. You know this, the workforce does need to develop. We do need we do need to be adaptive and we need to change. But the way to do that is through skills enhancement, not just driving everything to union busting. Um. So uh, have we got to the NCAT? NCAT Definitely gets mentioned in here somewhere. Anyway, so there we go. Fine. Uh, There's a train drivers academy launched in 2019 by the R D G uh, to s- s- increase the supply and diversity of qualified drivers. There's so many disparate training things everywhere. It does need to all be brought into under one brand. It really, really does, or at least be brought into, so that they're all in one list for stars, you know, 61 diversity across the sector will be improved through the inclusion of stretching measures in contrast to actively promote and increase recruitment and retention of a diverse workforce. Sounds good to me, but in order to do that, you need to have champions, uh, like, uh, Lorraine Martins who really push that stuff forwards. And, um, so targets alone aren't enough they aren't enough you need you need champions you need people who have lived and breathed this stuff uh yeah lewis uh caught is a reset uh yeah like a nice stable long-term plan and funding so that new staff can be planned yeah well they have got they have got the idea of a long-term plan so that will help um oh look it's the stem lab hooray it's in that's in uh, the quadrant in milton Keynes, i think isn't it anyway 62. Comprehensive data on productivity and pay will be collected and published by ORR, which will report on the data and compare it with that of other sectors and labour markets. Well, I mean, ostensibly, that's not a bad thing. It's kind of fair enough. Fine. Oh, wait, what? Oh, I'm sure NCATI is in here. Wait a minute. Where oh, is, there is it? Uh, uh, Advanced. Tra- there we are. That's it. I found it. That was in 57. I missed it. Oh, it was, in the, it was in the skills one. Oh, I missed it. It was in It was in the R&D section. Oh, crikey. There you go. Yeah, that's because... the. So there is the National College for Advanced Transport and Infrastructure, one of the most stupidly named things ever. It's going it, to... It collapsed in on itself, but it's kept its name and it's been bought by the University of Birmingham, BCRE, which made me an employee of NCATI again after they got rid of me, uh, you know, after they didn't renew my contract. Hooray. Anyway, right, okay, fine. We're getting to the conclusion, folks. Conclusion. Delivering the rail revolution. This white paper sets out the most ambitious changes to the rail sector in a generation. Da da, 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 da. Ten outcomes at the start of this white paper will guide our efforts to deliver the vision set out by, by Keith and Grant. What a pair. Uh, fine. Transformation does not happen overnight. They're setting up a rail transformation program within the DFT and the rail industry to establish a common understanding of the vision. set out the phases of delivery. Uh, and to get things moving forwards. Um, as the programme of reform is delivered, appropriate government approval processes, including in relation to arm's length, bodies will be followed, and the programme will follow assurance and approval processes appropriate for a government major project, GMP. That's a thing probably that civil servants know about. I don't. Uh, advisory group. Keith Williams will chair the advisory group. Um, Andrew Haynes is going to develop plans for the establishing interim arrangements drawing from across the industry and beyond. Andrew Haynes being chair of, uh, sorry, the uh, chief exec of NR. Um he'll undertake the role alongside his exec role. No, well, fine. Uh permanent leadership team of GBR, including its chair and chief exec, will be recruited by fair and open competition. Fine. Swift delivery essential. Um whilst we work through longer term changes, the government and sector will also bring forward benefits for passengers and freight customers quickly. These include contactless journeys and continue rollout of digital ticketing, fine. Introdu- introduction of flexible season tickets that aren't flexible season tickets, fine. Close engagement with the freight sector on fair access in the future, non development of a growth target. Uh, consideration of short electrification infill schemes to support free ports. Oh, well, they had to chuck bloody Brexit free ports in there, didn't they? Anyway, whatever. Delivering our commitment to pay as you go travel. We've renewed focus on punctuality through recovery contracts and national rail contracts. Okay. Clear communications on trains at stations on smart devices. Okay, fine. So th- those are the quick wins they reckon that are going to go on. They keep mentioning project speed. Uh, fresh start. This is a fresh start for the railways. It is time to grasp the opportunities, overcome the challenges of recent years, and rebuild public trust in rail. And that's that. There we are. Oh. Uh, Hendy is... Go- I-, I think Hendy's got enough things going on. That's why he's not involved. Shall we read through all the commitments? Uh, yeah, go on then. So, all the commitments are... One, a new public body, Great Britain GBR, will run the network in the public interest. Two, Great British Railways will be the single guiding mind and leader that the railways currently lack. Three, Great British Railways will be given the means to think and plan for the longer term. Four, well, yeah, there's no point in me reading these. Stuff this. Uh, you just remember all the things. So basically, if you want to go into the report, this is the useful collection of all the the, the kind of the numbers. And as you can see, there are oops, 62 asks in total over these over the kind of the five chapters where they propose things. So there we go. Very nice. There's a load of end notes. <sighs> we did it. We got to the end of the report in not, like, not too crazy an amount of time. What is was that? Two hours, two minutes? We've maybe got another few minutes just to go through this. Um, uh, Thanks for everyone being with us. We've lost a few numbers. We've lost about 40 people since the start of the episode. It's a long episode. I know it's fine. Those people maybe will come back. Actually, a lot of people will watch it and then at 8 p.m. the numbers drop down because it's an hour. That's I say it's an hour and it never is. Eventually, uh, these will be an hour possibly right what about the roscoes what about the roscoes Huh. Oh, the rolling stock operating companies uh here they are the, well, the three big ones there are others actually but uh you've got angel there's angel uh where, where's, where's there's angel there's Eversholt, and there's Porterbrook. and um you know don't get me wrong there are a lot of fantastic people working within these organizations um not least the team who are working on uh, on the on on Hydroflex, you know the, that 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 award-winning pair of innovators, kind of uh, shared job role uh, working for Porterbrook. I guess Portobruk is it? Someone, quick, someone check that. Um, so there are fantastic people working within. Um, within these organizations those people wouldn't disappear if the roscoes died no, no 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 you need those people to continue dealing with rolling stock you don't manage the train operators can't suddenly just have trains and not have the staff who know how to deal with them no 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 but what you can do is stop the fact that these exist to essentially these are asset stripping organizations that exist to make a dump ton of cash out of an asset that I don't know what percentage is, and the percentage has reduced quite a lot in recent years, but certainly when they started up, it was an entirely publicly paid-for asset that was that was gained massively on the cheap, and that they then charge extortionate rates to the train operating companies to lease them. The Roscoes need to go, and this does not solve that, but it doesn't even mention, hardly mentions them. They stay exactly doing exactly what they do, you know, no change whatsoever. Um, yeah, Angel and Evershaw are named after the locations of their original headquarters, indeed. Um... Yeah, you know, these all have kind of, and Porterbrook also, I think, has reference to anyway. The point of all of these are they have roots in official BR weirdly, but they're a, a very exploitative part of the rail industry that no one ever really talks about very much because a lot of people don't understand it. If you go through the Wikipedia of these organizations, they're owned by, you know, fund, you know, hef, just like banks and hedge fundy type things and capital investment firms and all sorts of nasties. Like it's just. I don't, you know, they're just—they're there to make cash, and if an organisation there to just make cash for no discernible benefit, I have to say, no. So they should be got rid of, and this doesn't change that. Which kind of leads me to the next thing: is like, what do I, what do I think of this? What do I think of the Williams Shapps revival? Well, I think that, and I, I said this in my news interview, right? It's a good, broadly good, right? This is stuff that anyone sensible has been saying that needs to happen in the industry for a very long time. But I would strongly recommend um, picking out uh, Dr. David Turner's thread on, on, on the report. But he had a flick through, and he, he has his feeling on it. And, and it. and essentially, it doesn't answer. It, it maybe goes further than anyone before in decades of railway history, but it still doesn't actually answer the most important question, the most important question. I think this is a question that Walmart has been asking for a long time, but it's, one that it's something he you and know I share on, which is, what are the railways for? What are they for? What are they actually for, and I hope some of the future. I will go big face in a minute, Matt. Some I hope some of the um, the plans within the there. So some of the future documents that the government are saying they're going to publish in twenty twenty two or whatever, pending not having a you know a, a collapse in government magically or somehow. Those reports about integrating transport and rail being the backbone. Some of those suggestions, if there is going to be a big picture, what are the railways for? Bigger picture, trans bigger transport picture. Question. Great, but a lot of what I'm seeing in that report is still the same old efficiencies, costs. That's you can't measure the success and grow the success of railway by just looking at at the financial element. You've got to look at what what is it achieving, what is it gaining, what are we gaining from it. And I don't think this answers that. So I think it's a good report. I'm going to go big face now. So I think William Shapps is a good. It's a good report. Um, actually so I think it's positive it's positive for the industry it's actually a positive thing some of the underlying stuff we need to pick out and pick through and make sure it's not used as a a stick to bash the industry there are some things I think through the episodes that you might have noticed I'm worried about skeptical about you know the three big ones there are others but the three big ones being you know uh, Welsh and Scottish branding and indeed the urban areas actually um, level boarding and uh and the roscoes those those are serious shortcomings but there are other things that i'm skeptical and worried about um and to be honest i'm i can't summarize any better than chris jackson just has which is uh, a lot of good analysis potentially positive commitments but when it comes to delivery the devil will be in the detail chris you've concluded the episode perfectly isn't that good thanks thanks for that chris brilliant uh i like it when people script for me that's great um, as ever, you can uh, you can do this sort of thing uh, or listen to this sort of thing in audio-only form. I don't know why the hell you'd managed to do that. I tried to make it obvious when I was reading slash when I was kind of analysing, but we'll see how successful that was. Um, thank you so much for your patience. It's been a long old episode, but it'd be even longer if you listened to it in audio-only mode. So anyway, uh, so thanks for that. Um, what else am I going to say? I'm going to say uh, Patreon, Discord, PayPal. This is the the the... the I don't know, what, should I, can I make this a different... Should I, should I do something to jazz this slide up? You've all seen it so many times now. Um, Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis is where you can support me and make this stuff continue to happen. Um, if you continue to support me, I continue to have to do these weekly. Essentially, <laughs> it's, it's the long and short of it. Um, choose future episodes, themes, and guests. Exclusive sneak peeks and content. Yeah, there's, there's, there's exclusive... I haven't done some proper Patreon-only stuff for a while, actually. I need to... Um, I need to, uh, yeah, I need to to jazz this up. Oh, change the Discord logo to the new one to jazz it up a little. Oh, is there a new Discord logo? Uh, oh no, yeah, there is, isn't there? Uh, I should probably do that, shouldn't I? Yeah, anyway, um, I yeah, that was a, that was a fun episode. Anyway, yeah, so uh, I need to do some more d- uh, exclusive. This, I'm not selling Patreon very well. I need to do some more uh, Patreon exclusive stuff. Actually, I haven't recorded you a little Patreon exclusive video for a while. Um. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do a little like a little office tour and show you what I'm up to or something. I don't know. Uh, send me your ideas for things you want to know, Patreon people, uh, if you want some exclusive, fun content, and I'll do it. Discord. Go onto the Discord server. All the jazz happens on there. Everything. It's chaos, but it's good chaos. Lots of good things. It's a remarkably happy, pleasant place, considering that, what, 500 of you are on there now? It's huge numbers of people on there, I think. Uh, wait a minute. I can do that now. Wait a Uh, 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 just a sec. I can do it. I can literally do it now. Uh exclamation mark members 498 members in the rail nata discord well there you go incredible um and it's it's a happy blissful place 500 people a lot of them technical a lot of them technically minded loads of great discussion there's careers section there is um a, a rail professionals kind of corner of the pub chat which is exclusive rail professional only stuff so if you're a real professional you show me your your whatever card it is or whatever uh I, I, actually, there's someone I needed to put a real professional role and I haven't. Sorry about that. I hope they prompt me again if uh, I missed it. But yeah, if you're on the Discord server, you can prompt me. You get you get a red tag. And then you can go into that corner table of the pub and chat about industry things secretly and surreptitiously. And then if, if you just want to chuck me pennies because you enjoyed this, paypal.me slash Gareth Ennis. So the next question is, what's happening next episode? Well, we're going up to Bonnie, Scotland. I was up there and it got me at my, my deuces going for... Basically, it's a repeat of the Wales. What should the Welsh railway map look like? And I'll use the same logic. Um, I'll use the same process of, of picking through the different sized um, uh, settlements. I think I've got that data set. Will, uh, I think I've got the data set for the whole of GB, haven't I? So I should be able to do it. It'll be more complicated because Scotland's bigger. But we'll have a look at what the, the Scottish railway map should look like and what 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 uh, you know what the what the priority... I think it'll be quite interesting. So we're going to follow exactly the same methodology we did for the Welsh one, and I think it'll be quite interesting to see what it looks like. Um uh, it won't reference the Rail for All report. Well, it, it will in the sense that I'm referring to the size of settlement. Uh, but we did an episode on the, the Rail for All report, didn't we? So, um, yes. So, uh, right. Anyway, I'm going to now go something like uh, bringing back Big Face. That was fun, actually. Uh, we've only taken two hours and t- nearly 12 minutes. So that's not too catastrophic to have finished it. As I said, uh, key thing... If you if there are bits you want to pull out or explore, if you want to do it chapter by chapter, or if there's a particular even a couple of the the numbered bullet points asks that you want to pull out and explore in more detail, make those suggestions. Um, because I'm interested to pick out some of the stuff in here and chat about it. We've not I've not done much chatting, for everyone in the uh, for everyone in the chat. Thanks for all of you being there. You're all brilliant. I lo- the chat is what makes this um work. I um I, I'm keen to 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 pick out some of the themes in there and explore in more detail. Um. And also, if you've got recommendations of people you think would be good to discuss those as well, um, get me involved. Um, so, I mean, the chat's continuing. I, I don't want to stop it because it's like there's some interesting chat going on in there. Go take it into the Discord where it can continue forever, uh, forever more. Um, all it remains really for me to say is um, is thanks for thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the bird song in the background. It's got a bit, a little bit cool now, but it's not started raining yet in York. Um, I will see you uh, next week for the last. Well, for, it's for a live episode, and then we've got a few non-live episodes, because I'm off on shenanigans. But anyway, uh, there's, some good, there's some good guests lined up as well. We've got some guests at last. You've, you've We've not had guests for a while. Anyway, right, enough of me waffling. You're all brilliant. Cheerio! Cheerio, everyone! Cheerio! <laughs>